Once more, the drama begins. The Emperor Paul Moadib on his ascension to the Lion Throne. Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune Messiah. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open up a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here, Derek. We do. And Mike, you know what? Uh, I wanted to get an old bottle back. We got 19 crimes. Hey. We got another white wine this time. Yeah, I think we had, was it red last time we did it? It was, and it was way back. Now, they have the 19 different crimes. I don't remember which one we got. We did get a different one, though. Oh, yeah. Which one did we get this time? Well, tell me, why don't you tell me out a number? I don't have that list on me again <laughs> of crimes, though. But 1 through 19, take a shot in the dark. Um, Let's go to number 7, and it probably has to do with stealing something. Ooh, oh, man, that was a good way to, like, pat <laughs> it a little bit. Like, you get a half point now. Yeah. Wrong on the number. Totally Damn. wrong. But it's definitely stealing. We got number 4, Mike. Stealing lead, iron, or copper. Or buying or recycling. And <laughs> or buying or recycling. Which syntaxly, I like to just separate that out like recycling <laughs> is its own crime. <laughs> How dare you? But we got that. You are con- uh, punished on conviction by transportation. So, oh, no. Free trip See to Australia. Australia. <laughs> But wine aside, Mike, you got you got something before we dive into this chapter? Yeah, we a got new, a we got a new patron, <gasps> New yes! Spice Worlder. They just growing. chimed in. They wanted to say thank you. It's Moadib twenty two eighty eight. Oh wait, the Moadib? The well, no, no oh, number twenty two eighty eight. Oh, this is like a Duncan series. <laughs> that's a lot of goals. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of falls. <laughs> well, Moadib two two eight eight. Welcome, my friend. You are now a Spice World there. This one's to you. Yeah, I mean, I guess we will convict you of one of these 19 crimes. <laughs> oh, no. But Moadib2288. You know, the this, ba- whole jet, this whole episode's for you. The Baron recycled metal. He did that criminal. <laughs> Coming for him. And didn't he pay the ultimate price, Mike? Mm-hmm. That's the lesson of Dune that uh, Frank was really trying to get across. Got your ass kicked by a baby. Don't recycle iron. Ah, <laughs> oh, but, Mike, this chapter... Let's, let's go into the quote, because it's going to be so easy to uh, suss it out of our meaning here. Mm. Once more, the drama begins. And this is just reflecting back. Uh, presumably, this would have happened maybe after uh, the last chapter of Dune. Maybe this is immediately, he walks over, says these words, and sits down. Um, how do you think it uh, applies to our chapter, though, that we're in? Looking back, like, I mean, we are in a very staff meeting kind of mm-hmm. deal here. Uh, we're dealing with the guild, with Leah keeping an eye, or not a staff meeting, rather, but like uh, we're meeting the ambassador. This is a very diplomatic meeting. Right, right, today. right. I mean, I guess the it's uh, it's not the politics of it all this time. It is like the social drama of it in a way. Like, uh, what was it that Paul's dad said to him? It's like, uh, it's not enough knowing that there is a knife to you. It's you need to know who's holding the knife. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, was it is it which hands it's in? Yeah, which hand? Yeah. Not just that there is a knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we have this Gola here. We sense danger. We know there's something wrong about it. But at the same time, there is this like emotional connection that Paul can't quite shake off, and like it gets to him. He knows it gets to him, and he doesn't want it to. Um, I think that that is the drama of it all. All right. Like, 
I I think there's a little bit of a, a mirroring here where uh, he toppled Shaddam, right? Mm-hmm. And took over the thing. And I feel like the reason you bring this quote up now is 12 years later, Paul now is having the trap come in that, you know, very much like how right. he approached Shaddam being like, ah, uh, here, these people are trying to knock me off my throne. Like I had knocked him off. It's all just a big cycle. But people yeah. Love laying traps for Atreides. Man, Atreides love walking into traps. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like the perfect combo. <laughs> And Atreides can't help but walk into a trap once they see it. It's like, ooh, I'll get out of it, though. Me. I'm special. Oh, no. That's what they all say. My zombie bite won't turn me into a zombie. (laughs) But let's let's move right in then. So Paul's sitting on the lion throne. But we are going to go ascend upward into the heavens where Aaliyah is watching from the spy hole. And this is like... Really, it's a unique chapter where, like, Aaliyah is kind of present, but not really, right? I thought it was, like, when the chapter started, I'm like, oh, we're going to get things from her perspective. Only, like, a couple small things. It's like he just wanted to let you know she's present. Mm-hmm. She's there. There's a link between her and Paul. And Paul is really going to, like, play off of, like, her watching more than anything else. Right. Um, maybe more meaningful than her actually being there. It's very strange. I would like to see more of them, like, together, just them in conversation, how they interact. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. We want to see, I want to see Aaliyah interact with everyone. Yeah. What true. would be, if you could put Aaliyah in a, like, oh, have we, she came into the meeting last time. Yeah. Uh, where she really played the foil and was kind of like, actually, her and Paul we're sort of a one character together, right? In a, in a way. She was like the defensive one. He was the empathetic mm-hmm. one. But they have this one position. Who would you like to see her interact with the most? Like if she could have a one-on-one chapter with somebody. Ooh. Um. No, honestly, I think still Paul. Still Paul? I still want Just Paul. like the two siblings? Yeah. Like the heart-to-heart? Because like of all the people Paul can relate to, there's very few. Mm-hmm. Aaliyah is probably like up there. And even then she's got her own like series of fucked upness. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I would love, uh, and this, so this is going to be kind of showing my hands that this doesn't come up in the book, but like Irulan and Aaliyah. I would love to see, like, one-to-one. I, I just enjoyed the meeting. It was just like, we know where they stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be in a room together. But, like, I want them to bandy and fight. <laughs> like, that was, like, other people fighting around them mm-hmm. and then throwing quibs in at each other. But, like, oh, the two just... Because, I mean, Irulan, you know, we always look at her like this failed Bene Gesserit, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Like, she's still trained. She's still, like, a qualified Bene Gesserit. She's got it. It would just be great. But we don't get that. We have Aaliyah uh, watching protectively from above while the guild is entering Mm -hmm. our massive, like, um, reception, uh, great reception hall is what we're calling it. And we got the noon light pouring in through celestory windows. Ooh. Do you know what those are? No. So that's like... um, Celestory? Are they just, like, they bring in the starlight kind of thing? Uh, Well, it's specifically, like, these uh, windows that are, like, high up on the walls around the edge. So, like, you know, like, um, uh, uh, like Notre Dame? How it has that raised middle section. There are all those windows that line up around it where those like uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. arches kind of come into. That's Celestory windows. And all their purpose is is to flood light into the building. Okay. Like to get around walls and corners and stuff. Okay. So this, it's basically letting the heavens in kind of deal. That's very why cool, it's very, very cool. representative in churches and like old architecture. Uh, now, I just want to point that out. So giving you this uh, sense that we're in a very religious kind of setting almost. Like, and it's very grand and obviously. Mm-hmm. The floor is worked in green, blue, and eggshell. Uh, it's a water design like a bayou. 
Which is very reminiscent of, like, that's what Farouk did, too. Like, Arrakis is full of water tile art. Yeah, it's everywhere now. You can't help but know what a fish is on this planet. (laughs) Uh, But I love this description of, like, and you know this is from Aaliyah's perspective, right? Looking at that. And the guild is moving through it like a hunter stalking its prey. Like, uh, just, like, through the weeds around, like, a river. Like, ah, this animal. And knowing the guildsman is, like, fish-like. It's very fitting. We're going to like tie it all together there. So an entourage is escorting our steersman ambassador. Edric has gotten himself a fancy title now. A little dignitary. Steersman ambassador. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And we're leading up to Paul, who's sitting on the (laughs) lion's throne. I told them steersman navigator. (laughs) Ambassador. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure he's mulling over (laughs) all the options. He's so sad because of it. Uh, but Paul is on Shaddam's old seat. And it's great. We stole this. So is, it, is it the same exact throne? Same, because we're calling it the Lion's Throne. That's right. how I think we definitely know it is. Because Paul has no reason to call it that. The Golden Lion Throne was always what Shaddam yeah. had, though, because the Golden Lion is like his big symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is it. We also get a little insight as to, like, um, Paul has a crown now. You know, I, I never caught this before. Yeah. He's got some royal, um, what would you even call that? Regalia? Vestments? Yeah, regalia. Thank you. Uh, and so this crown has an emblem of a fist with fishes, like kind of crossing over it. And I went and dipped into Fish the fist emblems. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the artwork by Mark Simononetti, who did like uh, all the Doom Messiah artwork. You can find it on his website. He has one great one, Mike, where it's Paul sitting at his throne. You can see the guild uh, ambassador coming up to him. And in that picture, you can actually make out, if you zoom in on his crown, the fist and the fishes are worked into the crown. And, like, that is such a That's small detail. detail. Yeah, and he caught it, and it looks so good. It looks better than what I imagined it looking like. And now Paul is also enshrouded in jeweled golden robes. So he, this is like no still suit, no like soldier form that we've seen before. This is a very posh yeah. emperor. Very posh. Yeah, definitely. And above all, there's also the shimmering of a full body shield on him. Everything anathema to what we know Fremen to be. Right, right, right. We've like completely ruined their image. Now, he's got two wings of guards. They're all spread out. And then we have Stilgar standing mm-hmm. off to his right. Also, wearing white robes, not in a still suit, with a yellow rope for a belt, also is in the image by Mark Simonetti. Uh, You can see Stilgar right up to the side, and you can make out uh, a certain metal-eyed Gola standing off. So he he captured the scene so perfectly. I really love the image of it. Um, Seeing Stilgar in white with a yellow rope really uh, strikes me as um, that image I showed you of um, T.E. Lawrence. So uh, Lawrence of Arabia, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a great one of him in Mecca. It's always a white robe with like sort of that yellow belt that goes mm-hmm. through. Uh, so I, I don't know if that is the parallel they were going for, but white is also just going to be a very common color for robes. Well, not just that. It's now one of the Atreides colors. White is? Yeah, green and white. We replaced the black. Oh, did that? when did that come up? Right, it comes up in this chapter. Oh, shit. We'll get to it. Yeah, thank you. Point that out. I did not catch that. Um, so Aaliyah knows that Paul, he's feeling some agitation about what's going on here. Uh, and she's got that sibling link that we're going to play a lot with in this chapter. Uh, when Paul quickly reverses it to be like, Aaliyah knows how I'm feeling and I can tell. (laughs) Uh, and Paul though, 
as everybody's coming up, he's watching one attendant more than anybody else. Yeah. The Gola In the seething agitation. Mm-hmm. And this guy is off to the side, and I love that even Aaliyah looking down is like, every gesture is familiar. It screams Duncan Idaho. And like, I, mm. you know how what she's relying on. Yeah. Like Jessica's impression yeah. of Duncan. Leto, uh, you know, it would just purely be Jessica's. Yeah. Paul can pull up Leto's impressions of Duncan and stuff. So she's got this. And I uh, like that we also get to know, like, so she's picked up all these memories. And Aaliyah, like, dips into her memories for it. And uh, if you can find me a line, there's something where they say Rahani. Oh, give me a second. Oh, uh, captive memories absorbed in the womb during the moment of her mother's spice change identified this man for Aaliyah by a Rahani decipherment, which cut through all camouflage. Ooh. What does that mean? Uh, oh, you don't got a glossary you can dip into to <laughs> look this up? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I know. So this is pretty annoying. And he's not going to use this word too much more in Doom Messiah, but Frank is going to remember Rahani, and he's going to use it in Children of Doom. And we're going to get better context in Children of Dune for what the word is. So he's, he's literally just dropping it here and then never following up on it? Whoa. Hey, Mike, he's just laying some sand. All right. We're going to get there. Laying uh, some sand. Like, we need that on yeah, the Yeah, we need some more. Uh, no, but he's just putting track down. We're, it's going to lead you somewhere eventually. Mm. Uh, but basically, he's using Rahani as, like, magic. Oh. It's sort of the subsumment of it. And looking into the word, that word is actually a form of Islamic script. Oh, and it's like considered the most beautiful form of it. Uh, it's really neat. It's about all pre- very precise uh, workings of where the lines go that accent the letters oh, and the like, characters. So like calligraphy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like there were several scripts, uh, forms of script for it. Uh, so or I think you could even say like, yeah, font type essentially. Yeah. It's like kind of, <laughs> well, that's how we'd be familiar with it. I was looking it up and this trying to figure out like what Rahani is. And there's like, I found this great document going through various forms of Islamic script and like where they came from and how they built off of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just a little side bit, there was one that is only used in the Quran. And it has like an extra accent mark that goes over words to tell you um, letters that get a certain emphasis. Uh, like it'll say this letter is silent essentially. And it's only used when you're writing for the Quran. You don't use it in any other versions of it, uh, which I thought was really gnarly where I don't know of a parallel like that for English. Hmm. Where you'd be like, we only use these characters in the Bible. And it lets you know like a certain way to pronounce this kind of regularly. Very, very interesting. And like uh, looking through the various ways the script is drawn out, and re- or I would say drawn, because like you said, calligraphy, it's just beautiful, Mike. Uh, and they have all these ways they write their prayers where it looks like a drawing to me. I don't even know how you would begin to read it. <laughs> It'll be like circular really? in shape. Damn. Very cool. But so Rahani, Frank is going to use it to basically mean magic. Which okay. is, which is yeah, weird. Yeah. I'm down. Normally he doesn't it's go there. It but sounds cool. So it's sort of, normally he doesn't go there. Yeah. Everything has been magic though. No. Oh, no it he, felt like it. He draws, like but it. he draws the line. He gets you back to science <laughs> okay. each time. Okay. You're like, yes, there's something mystical here, but it's no more mystical than your dreams. Your dreams are science and a physical thing, but they, they come across like magic. Now, back into this moment, Aaliyah knows that Paul is seeing Duncan through the memory of experience. Whereas she has to rely on, like I said, Jessica's interpretations. Paul has his personal memories of Duncan that he's like reflecting on right now. Mm-hmm. This man that taught me how to use a sword, that taught me how to fly a thopter. Uh, and with this, Aaliyah concludes a thought that obviously you and I are very well aware of. This is a Gola. One of the products oh. from the axolotl tanks. 
Uh, and now Duncan, when he's walking in, he walks with cock-footed alertness, which uh, that's ah. pre- precise word choice if there ever was one, Frank. Because he's going to use that a lot uh, with Duncan. And we have to remember that Duncan is here to seduce Aaliyah. That's his job and his purpose. Mm-hmm. It's clearly already working. I think that's why that word choice comes to her. Okay. Uh, well, she's going to later on when she's looking at him, you know what her second thought is? Is that he cocks his head to the side. And uh, I'm just like, yeah. we, we use Duncan is uh, symbolic of like the satyr. He is the goat man. He is meant to Duncan watches the ladies. Like mm. that's his role and what he does. Now with uh, Aaliyah now at this point reads like, yeah, that is quiet and Paul and just like Paul is like doing everything he can't to like not stare right. at Idaho, but he clearly is, he's trying to look at, um, you can't Edric. ignore the Duncan in the room. Well, just that all of his other energy is like, his mind is focused right. on it. Despite the fact that his body is by all the force of his will, like everything mm. is about Duncan right now. That's the only thing on his mind. It's such a curious, uh, development on the floor of this room and something he never saw coming. Now, Paul, he greets Cedric, who has come as an ambassador. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we, called, we recall they were trying to establish a deep space embassy on Arrakis, which Corbo was not a yeah. fan of. <laughs> Paul's mm-hmm. not really a fan of either, technically. Yeah, but he's Paul is so he's disengaged <laughs> that he's, he's going to let it happen. peanuts, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? And I, I do like this first bit where so when Paul greets him, Edric immediately, he pops a pill. And now, I don't know if that was a defensive move or if, you know, maybe have it. But I feel like that was sort of a, before I talk to this one guy, <laughs> let's just make sure that spice is amped up a little bit. Uh, it takes a hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Edric, he supplicates himself well, though. And now he asks, oh, I'm here to present my credentials and a gift. And they hand a scroll to Stilgar, which is like classic. that It comes on a scroll, uh, you know, for all the shit we can do in this empire. And Skilgar looks it over with a scowl because he hates, you know, he abhors the uh, steersman as well. Mm. And uh, he and Paul both then turn toward the Gola. And Paul asks Edric, you know, basically explain this gift then. Like, let's get right to it. This yeah. is, I know you, who you are, what you're here for. And Edric just rolls in his tank, which I'm like, that. Uh, you, you think it's a relaxing kind of reaction or? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. But he introduces them as hate, spells out the name. <laughs> Maybe uh, infusing the, that extra spice in there is causing all these bubbles and he can't control himself. He's just spinning around. <laughs> Gets him all uppity. Uh, but a little bit, he even plays it up just to be like, according to our investigations, I'm like, oh, we, we don't know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, Tells him fuck you, Edric. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, and this is going to be Duncan Idaho, who we believe uh, they regrew him, and that the Benny Tlaxlu. Made him a Zensuni philosopher so that they could increase his skill with the sword. And I don't know how those two connect exactly. I don't know either. Like, like what is, all we really get is that the Zensuni are brutally honest. But like, how does that translate to a better swordsman? Well, I don't know. Maybe uh, philosophy and the art of the sword itself. Who knows? Yeah. Sun Tzu was uh, like a master swordsman and tactician. Uh-huh. But, like, he also had a philosophy with his strategy. <laughs> did that, did it, but, see, you've, his swordsman and his philosophy, though, are just two separate skills he has. Like, they're not, like, uh, inter... Well, no, they did it hoping that it would, like, heighten his swordsmanship. They did. The, the, the guildsman. Yeah. Not Mushashi. No, the, uh, Tlilaxu. 
Yes, yes, I'm sorry. I, I just assume the guild is also in on, like, whatever this fucking bullshit they did to him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. The Telexlu definitely are fully in charge of this project. Guild is riding the coattails. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm not even 100% sure. Of, like, it seems like a very dangerous game. Yeah. Like, he's trusting that Sightail did not screw him over right now, right, right? Right, right? And, like, that seems like a really bold <laughs> take. But I guess, like... To deal against Paul, you got to take un, uh, <laughs> unlikely be, bedfellows. Wouldn't that be the worst if uh, Duncan Walkford is like, this guy's going to betray you? <laughs> but, I mean, hell, if uh, Edric stuck around, that's yeah. what happened. <laughs> I was like, Duncan too. why? <laughs> Duncan too. <laughs> I love it. Um, but so we have this whole like um, discussion about, um, I was going to say Duncan, but yeah, it's about hate kind of around him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and Paul's like eyeing him up, and Edric asks him, "Is this not Idaho, sire?" And Paul's is like, "It's an aspect of Idaho." Oh. He sees part, mm-hmm. to which prompts Aaliyah to be like, "Ooh, does Paul see something I can't?" Do you think she's wondering, like, if Paul is questioning whether or not that's Idaho? Like, this seems like a disconnect well, of their sibling, like this bond that's so clearly he I can knows read. What you. a Gola is, first of all. Like he that would, is the body. Of whatever, Duncan whatever Idaho. she has concluded, you yeah. know he has. Yeah, it's like, but it it does not hold any of his memories or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Although they still trained it to be a swordsman, probably. Isn't that a weird? Li- I want. I was gonna bring that up. That weird line of like he has no memories, but he clearly talks like. But we all know my memories are there because right, right. it's like I can things remind me like almost like a mu- muscle memory where like yeah it's it brings up a fil- familiarity mm-hmm. but i wonder if they did it uh they do that on purpose though just to make him more duncan like um the idea that uh swordsman probably has a different gait about them they probably walk a little differently i think they even mentioned like the cock-footed uh stance that he has just by walking that of us a swordsman mm-hmm. uh just that to really play on paul's emotions a little bit more uh, wait, who do you, do you mean they, do you mean like the author and writing hate as a character or are you talking like with Benny Tlaxu doing something to him? The Benny Tlaxu raising it or training him as a swordsman. You think, so you think they just intentionally trained, like, um, encouraged these things that would remind, be so similar to Duncan yeah. and that it is sort of like an act they've, uh, you know, I'm going to say built into, but like kind of taught this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, like, imagine if you had, like, I mean, I guess this is a bad comparison because, like, how similar, like, how can we relate to this? But imagine, like, you've got, like, this robot that looks exactly like me. Mm -hmm. I'm walking down the street. Like, I have a specific way that I walk. You're like, oh, that's Mike. You see this robot going very mechanically. Like, that's a little fucked up. Like, I don't get that. It's a little weird. weird. But if it started walking exactly like me, you'd be like, whoa, that's weird. But I guess, so, what I'm wondering, see, do you think it is a ruse, then? I don't think so. Well, what are you saying? Do you think the you, but you think the Benet Laxlu trained him to do that? Yes. Okay, that's what I want to say. Well, that that I would okay, kind of. What say. do you mean by a ruse? A ruse by the Benet Laxlu, not not by this this guy. I get you're you're assuming he he's a neutral player by in this ruse, whole party. Like, okay, I guess I don't know what you mean by ruse. Like, it's well, not a falsehood. He, I think he is trained as a swordsman. Right, right, but intentionally to make it like Duncan. To play off of Paul's emotions. Oh yes, that's what I mean. So like, it's all like it's a very long walk for a very small drink, drink of water. water but hey, it's a rackus mic. Every job's worth it. <laughs> just the point being, though, that yeah. So you think this is just a full on full false Duncan? Yes. Yeah. Like it's we know it's not Duncan. Exactly. Why? Well, what do you say? Do you think? I definitely know it's not. 
Well, no, because like that's gonna get me to like the part I wanted to bring up. So if like if you're saying the walk is something like that, where it's just uh, it's been trained into him, right, to walk like Duncan. We've mm-hmm. imitated Duncan. How then do we get to the point where he hears Paul's voice and it brings him pleasure? What about that aspect of it? Oh, that's a good point. You see what know. you see what I'm saying? Where yeah, like yeah. clearly the walk is either like you're you're either deciding like is he able to tap into like a Duncan spirit kind of deal or when I said ruse, that is kind of what I meant. Like they've built this act into Do you him. think, uh, I think they have built, that's a good point. I do think they have it's, built this act, but he doesn't know it. I think it's a little bit of like a, a genetic uh, memory splicing with a dob. That's okay. sort of leaving some things in here. Be like, this is why you're going to want to be closer and, to him yeah, as well. And like, yeah, without putting like too big of a, like a pointer on it, I just wanted to, yeah, that is kind of what I want you to focus on. Like there's something up with this Duncan. Mm-hmm. And it is like, no one's being totally honest with us. So we got to figure out where we are. And we only have Aaliyah's, like, I like her twisted kind of way to look at it. Mm. And of all people to assess a fake person, we probably want Aaliyah to be the one. Yeah. Of a, someone who, like, has to legitimately decide if they have a soul anyway. <laughs> like, you're a good person to assess Do another one. Do you think one. this is a Sightail's out for Paul? Sightail's out for Paul. Um, I think he's blatantly showing hate as this is definitely a trap. He's like not even hiding it. Like if you were smart enough, you could oh, say that I'm like sorry. this is definitely yeah, yeah. a trap. I, I think the out, the out is um, when hate tells him what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I think that the, is idea, the like, path He's out. not going to lie. Mm-hmm. They did that on purpose. And I guess to a point, maybe hate doesn't realize how much of uh, a trap he is. Like he was just oh, like I, I don't know he cued into it pretty deep here. He, I mean he's trying to, but yeah. like he keeps guessing. He doesn't like, know. Maybe he doesn't why. know what he's gonna do. It's like safest thing, just get me out of here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm like he clearly is like that's that is the right answer. Currently, I mean, unless we get in hate's head, I kind of like hate right now because even he doesn't really know. It's just like I here for you. It's like I feel these things. It's like oh, oh hate. You know? Oh my god! Of all, he is like it's even more twisted than yui because like he is the betrayer we we all know the betrayer mm. he knows he's the betrayer but he that doesn't mean he wants to be right will he fail upwards we will, <laughs> will he fall like a tree I know. <laughs> going down oh I, okay yeah that was a good little dig into the hate there it's gonna be a mystery we're gonna uh, keep sussing out keep evolving but there's like a lot of mystery with him so, like, keep an eye on that and your theories for how Agola work. Like, what the fuck is Agola? Mm. Um, now, hey, he's standing by. You and I are talking about him. Paul's talking about him. Edric's talking about him. He's just passive as can be. It's like he doesn't even know he's in this room right now. Uh, that's Zensundi. And Paul wonders about the name choice. Edric waves us off, like, who knows why they name any such thing? Like, you, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, and well, Nate- no, Paul doesn't dig into him though. I, I mean, <laughs> Edric is good at lying because, like, Paul can't really like look into him too much. Uh, well, no, he does apply his true sense to Edric. Your true sense still works. Oh, okay, because um, he does. Was use- Edric lying? Uh, the only bit that we get is that he believes that Edric believes this is Duncan. So that's the only time Paul tells us, but that lets mm. us know you can truth sense him. It's only prescience that you can't do shit with gotcha. for the steersman. Okay. So if if he did lie well, I guess he got it off, or it's enough that Paul didn't care. He could be distracted. Um, 
I'll say Edric lied well, though. If yeah. You, you want to go yeah. there? Like, like, you're going to give him, you give him something? <laughs> it hurt a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, let's like, give it to him. Um, and But I love Edric's thing. Though. Like, names can be changed. And I'm like, that is a kind of valid, like, yeah. yeah. If you don't like it, change it. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you worried about? <laughs> uh, hate, though, is a Talaxu product. And ultimately, Paul's like, that's what the problem is with this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows what they have incorporated into Duncan's flesh. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Paul, looking around, uh, sees superstitious awe on Stilgar's face. And all the Fremen guards well, around yeah, him. Back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And those metal eyes. The metal. I think the yeah. metal eyes, maybe even more so. We know what the Fremen think of those. Yeah. The, and I wonder if there is like some truth to it as well. Because like, why would they remake him with metal eyes when they probably could have given him his original ones? They most certainly could have given him his original so, like, ones. What's with the metal eyes? What is with the metal eyes that the Tlaxlu don't even wear themselves? Even though they say it's an improvement on the original, Mike. Yeah. It's so good. Who wouldn't want these? I wonder if there is like a form of mind control. Like maybe, maybe there is something going on here. I, so, you know what, when Sightail says he gives them an out, I f- sort of feel like it's multifaceted, because you can see in so many parts of this plan, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things screaming at Paul, like, oh, yeah. stop, go somewhere else, do something else. The Metal Eyes is another one of them. And, like, I guess the... Uh, because it's telling Paul, you're blind. Yeah. Or you can only see through a narrow yeah, viewpoint. Yeah, pre- yeah, exactly. Like as the Fremen thing, like you're only looking through this perspective. And maybe, maybe that is the way uh, Frank intended to write Hate as a character. That he, that despite being a mentat, he has a very narrow view of things. Even though maybe that's not what he wants. Oh, okay. Um, I was talking with Kennedy about uh, why authors like describe characters the way they do, mm-hmm. and a large part of it is that they'll describe them in ways that sort of. Uh, embody their personality or their viewpoint their ideals mm-hmm. um so that when i heard that i was started rereading this and i'm like okay well maybe, maybe there is something here with the metal eyes like maybe they did that on purpose oh he definitely did i deliberately did this that the the eye it's a theme it's going to be a theme through this whole book uh it's why it was brought up in every chapter i think we've addressed it Mm-hmm. Ronso Avix brought it up. Farouk brought it up like it's going to be a constant thing we're talking about vision sight prescience like those are all the same thing to frank mm-hmm. so the metal eyes are huge and are going to be a center center part of this book uh but i think especially what you just brought up with like having the mentat have those eyes who's the other mentat that we know no i was gonna say paul mike oh. paul the other one in this book not the dead one but just like yeah to have like a mentat come up and talk to him because that's one of the other bits actually paul really enjoys with his discussion with duncan sure it's two mentats talking and, like, Paul realized, oh, I got to get into Mentat mode for this. And they start throwing shit back, and they get to a summation at the end. And it's like... Throwing Sappho shots back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tipping them. Bringing some rounds, Stilgar. <laughs> um, it's really gnarly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, concluding in the eyes, though, going to be important. We're going to bring them up a lot. And Stilgar is looking at those, being like, those are vile. Mm-hmm. Those are a bad omen. And he, we also get that uh, Paul's inflection that Stilgar would be thinking about the habits of the guildsmen, the Talaxlu, and the Golas. Because these are all abominations, like, on the floor. Yeah, None yeah, of yeah. you should be setting foot on Arrakis right now. We sh- we would slay you on the spot otherwise. But Paul's the emperor. Stilgar's the most normal person there. Um, Aaliyah, Paul, mm, yeah. Hate. Edric. I mean, yeah, Edric's not a person. 
He's, he's a person. He's a fish man. He's still human. <laughs> oh. He's still human. I'm going to see you at the deep dive later today, Mike. Um, uh, Paul finally addresses hate. And we're like, we're going to get you involved. Bring him into the conversation. Yeah. He's been standing passively by there. And he asks him if that's his only name. And he uh, goes by hate, my lord. And Aaliyah, though, when he speaks, she's struck by hate's voice. It's so identical to the memory of Duncan Idaho. Ooh. And that she's got that bootleg adab as well kind of hidden in there. Uh, pulling shit from. Uh, and then we get to the excerpt I had from last week. And ultimately, it's uh, Paul's voice uh, brings him brings him pleasure. I'm sorry, because he's heard it before. And this is what we were just kind of talking about before, where I wanted to like suss out, what do you think is actual Duncan and like mystical Duncan here? But this is the weird point where like, I don't know if Frank is relying on like genetic memory or something like that, like where he thinks memories are stored. Well, I mean, maybe, but because like we know that the people can look back into their like past lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, it's very flux and fluid. Um, so I, I think there's some truth to that. I don't, I don't think hate's lying. No. Yeah. I think Paul would have told like, us like I, what, of all points to use uh, True Sense. When we started uh, the first chapter, I thought hate was going to be like, you know, the mole. He was going to be like... <laughs> Some uh, monster. Yeah, very nefarious. But I think he, he's just a person. He's just trying to make the best of what he can as well. And maybe that makes him a better villain, Mike. Maybe. Right. But like the idea that uh, he feels like he... Maybe that's part of uh, what the Tleelax did as well. Being closer to Paul, I think it makes him, it brings up these memories and he wants to explore those more. So he wants to be closer to Paul, naturally. They, it's like they both do. Yeah. They're, they're like just magnets. They can't help but be attracted to each other. And like Truth Sense is useless in this because they're both telling the truth. Yep. Yeah. 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 Two men. Oh, an honest men. Oh, that's why the Sensuti made him so honest, maybe mm. to get past that Truth Sense. Maybe. But it's like, yeah, so when Paul, when he addressed him and brought him over, a serene smile, like, spread across Duncan. And that's just letting him know, like, yeah, that really did bring him pleasure. You said Duncan. We got to say hate. <gasps> Ooh, do it's we? not Duncan. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Hate. Uh, hate felt this, like, joy and just pl- deep pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so comforting, basically, to hear that voice. And uh, hate explains that there are no memories, just the pattern set by the genes within him. Oh, well, there we go. There, oh, okay, that's their answer right <laughs> there. That explains everything. <laughs> and he tells him, I know nothing of my past for sure, my lord. And he goes on, like, you know, the Tlaxlu kind of told me this is how it's going to be. But when he gets to the end, there, there are voices, places, foods, faces, sounds, actions, a sword in my hand, the controls of a thopter. <laughs> These are all things that, like, register for him on, mm-hmm. like, a subliminal level. Uh, each the thopter I think is great. Yeah, like, he's just like I just I never use the brake. I don't understand. <laughs> Doors are always wide open. <laughs> you can go faster without the weight of the brake system. I could just like, like the first time they put him in a thopter, how terrified the pilot. Like, all right, we're going to touch. how Duncan flew. <laughs> well, that interesting point. Does that mean that uh, that secret uh, thopter entrance that Paul has could uh, hate potentially uh, navigate that? Um. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. No. He would have to. He would have. It might take a practice. I don't know how you do it the first time, but <laughs> I guess somebody does. <laughs> Paul's at least got prescience. Like he yeah, can yeah. he can practice a few mm-hmm. times because he can fail and true, be like, true, true. not that one, not that one. Okay, Let's do this, this one. one. <laughs> um. But I love that. So while we're having this little like back and forth with uh, hate, 
Paul notices the guildsmen are watching intently. They are very invested in this conversation, which probably makes him be like, oh, I've done something a little wrong. I think, <laughs> I, I think I've think i done too much in front it's of like, the I guild. I think I want people out of here. <laughs> yeah, definitely, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that, he also, looking at Duncan, he wonders what, I'm sorry, looking at hate, he wonders though what debt he owes Duncan. Duncan's flesh. Yeah. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm separating the accounts, Mike. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. I <laughs> know this, <laughs> this is an imposter. Uh, and I, this great uh, bit, though, uh, he's he's tempered with the thought uh, that this is not Duncan, as you're saying. This mm-hmm. is hate. This is just hate. Uh, but he's like, Duncan, I can't separate it. He's the source of all my thopter knowledge, all my sword play knowledge. Where like, would I be without my time with Duncan Idaho? So many of his actions every day rely upon skills. Duncan Idaho this, taught this him. Is, uh, this is kind of interesting because this is the chapter we never really got with uh, when we met all of the uh, teachers that Paul had. Yeah. Everyone came into that room one at a time, but not Duncan. Not Duncan. We had uh, Duncan said a couple things at the table during the staff meeting. Mm-hmm. And then Duncan fucked off and got drunk. Yeah. That that was our experience with Duncan Idaho. Then he died. Then he died. <laughs> yep. Short and sweet. <laughs> Do you think spice beer sort of triggers something in him? You know what? I will say he did show up a few times out in the desert. Uh, he, did, he, did, he did move us, and then he came back the next night like, don't sell those appearances short, but yeah, well, not much. When you described uh, Duncan Goal is coming back, it's just like, oh, everyone loves the Duncan. Duncan. That's why he brought him back. It's like, why? We never saw anything of Duncan in the first book. I kind of get it now where you're sort of getting Paul's perspective on like who was Duncan Idaho to him. Mm-hmm. And we kind of missed out on that. Definitely. So I'm kind of excited in this book, the fact that we do get that now. To kind of fill in. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you get to meet Duncan. Or Ish. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Really is. But uh, hey, the majority of Duncans are ish. Because they all come after it. Like, the original one is so overrated. Um, Paul, though, we're looking down at hate, and we're, we're going we're gonna to see a trap, Mike. Mm-hmm. We know this is no good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, within the Gola, they've concealed some danger within the guise of a familiar personality. Yeah. It's just veils covering this thing it's up. just everything we've been saying. Mm-hmm. And Paul, then, he asks how this Gola might serve them. And he just kind of replies, like, in any way I can. And I love, so we get to hop up to the spy hole real quick at Aaliyah's impression where she's like, there is an innocence to this Gola that's very un-Duncan. Because mm. Duncan was like a worldly man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've basically knocked all that out. <laughs> I'm like, this is nothing of that former person. And that's when she is like, there are hidden perils within this Gola. Yeah. Like, oh my god, you both are like coming at this from different angles, but getting to the same conclusion. They're such a good team. They re- yeah, really are. They need to get together. Um, Aaliyah, though, she then lists out some of the Talaxu products in her mind. Uh, which I appreciate this. This is just like world building on the side. Mm-hmm. So, listing out our Talaxu products, there are menials, so just like your basic stock boys, workers of yeah. general work, sex toys, soldiers. Generals, philosophers, and even a moralist. <laughs> I love that last I, one. I assume she says it with spite and they're like, ick. Why would you make a moralist? Just to see if they could. <laughs> what does a Benny Tlaxon moralist do? Just rip his hair out? Like, <laughs> I don't know. He's just like, it's born and go, not this. 
Why am I here? Yeah, what the hell? As the Kwisatz Haderach is like hanging himself with the cell <laughs> next door. And uh, Paul, he, he looks at Edric and he asks like, all right, Edric, how is this gift, quote unquote, trained? Goes, oh, yes. He's a Mentat Zensuni philosopher to make him a better swordsman. And, like, this is where we get the sense that Paul believes that Edric believes this is Idaho. Like, okay, that's a weird form of true sense to even throw in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the unrevealed danger in the waters the steersman moves in. Which I love how much poetic that is. Mm-hmm. And, again, how we saw from the top him moving through the bayou, like uh, right, stalking right. his prey. Paul is his prey. That's who he's approaching. Um, so Paul then turns and he asks Escola, of like, if you've examined your own role in motivations. And that, I thought that was a very direct question that uh, hate answers back pretty vaguely. Like, yeah. I thought that was kind of a question of like, hey, are you here to kill me? Oh, no. <laughs> but he's sort of like, just like, I'm a, a blank slate, free from the imperatives of my past life, essentially. It's like, okay, that's a very Benny Gesserit sort of right, stance right. to take, but it's not helpful. Uh, and then Paul just goes like, all right, well, what, what name do you want to be called? And this is, I really like this line of how I uh, hate responds. If you actually want to read that one out for me. That my Lord may call me what he wishes, for I am not a name. I am not a name. Hell yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but do you enjoy the name? I know, right? He's like, yeah, but. Just uh, pushing his buttons a little bit. Ooh, and I wonder if maybe he just has to make sure, yeah. like, you don't want to be hate, do you? <laughs> um, but it's all ultimately really great that uh, we land on we are going to call him hate, right? Mm. Paul asks him, uh, what gives him pleasure then? He's like, he's trying to get a straight answer. And I actually appreciate his answer. It was like, oh, he laughs a little. He's like, mm. what really gives me pleasure is just see- seeing people recognize the old person in yeah, me. It's like, like this, this right here. This <laughs> is what I love. <laughs> he just points at Stilgar. That, that <laughs> face. I love that face. Uh, Man, it looks like he wants to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Your man Stilgar there is caught between suspicion and admiration. He was a friend to my former self, but this goal of flesh repels him. You, my lord, admired the man I was, and you trusted him. Like, oh, eerie, but yeah, the Stilgar, between suspicion and admiration. He wants to drop this thing right now. Now, Paul ends up scowling of like, this is just cryptic Zensuni nonsense, essentially. This is very not helpful. Uh, And we learn about the Zensuni is that they are immersed in a creed which denied objective function in all mental activity. Uh, Do you know objective function? Uh, no. It's a part of mathematics. So the area where I came into familiarity with this was like, if you were going to be in a factory, Mike, as I was at one point, and you mm-hmm. need to make a factory schedule, like you have two products that use different resources at different rates and generate different lot sizes. Mm-hmm. They have an equation you can kind of make to figure out what would be um, the op- maximum efficiency for it. Okay. And it's the that's the objective function. Like that whole equation of like, you're basically making everything work towards this one end in the kind of thing. And that's how Mentats don't operate. Interesting. Because that's how the Zensuni don't operate. They refuse to allow there to be like one overriding thing. It's, they are like the whole big picture in the whole moment. Okay. Kind of taking all things in context. Uh, And then throw into that what Frank just keeps describing as brutal honesty. 
Like there's just <laughs> like this touch of honest, like self-effacing reason that comes through. Uh, so with this, uh, oh, cause like ultimately the other bit is there without cause and effect, like you're removing cause and effect mm-hmm. from your processes and how, again, it's like anti-prescience. You know what this is? Anti-Irolon. Oh, Irolon's whole world. We already said it was about limits. You best bet it's about cause and effect, Mike. All right, all right. Cause and effect have to exist in her world. How would hate and uh, Irolon get along? I wonder. He would. Uh, he'd probably drive her crazy. <laughs> I think she'd be floored by him, but they'd probably have like stimulating conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think he would always like out uh, maneuver her within any debate if they oh. were gonna, if they were going to have a debate you if does that make sense kind of yeah sure uh i, I can't think of what else they would talk about because <laughs> Irulan like doesn't have so you, thought there's that yeah there's only so <laughs> many subjects that would really fall into the uh mutual purview um but we continue on paul he offers to call this man duncan uh, and I love his response again. This is Sunni. We live by differences, my lord. I'm like that's a good one. Paul's gonna have to like that is a line I think you can apply to Paul for the rest of the book. Just the differences in your decision. That's like the differences between who his heir is. All of those things spell out completely different worlds for him and his prescient mm. view. Uh, so Paul gets to make a decision. Decisions affect prescience, Mike. Remember when he had to choose his name? I think choosing Duncan's name is just as important as when he chose Moadib as his name. Oh. Whether he accepts this man as Duncan or he accepts this man as hate will dramatically alter the course of where he's going, but he has no spot to base that view on because mm-hmm. he never saw Duncan Duncan hate rather coming. This Gola. Right. He never saw this. Which in his presents line. its own like whole slew of problems, to be honest. <laughs> Hell yes, it does. <laughs> And I think that's why Paul ends up saying, like, very well, hate. There's a name that inspires caution. That's what we're going to call yeah. you. And like, I like that. I'm just like, you know what? We'll take the one that's a warning to both of us. And with that, Duncan just steps back. And Aaliyah is like, hmm, how did he know the interview is over? I knew because it's my brother and I can read yada, yada, yada. But how did the Duncan know? Oh. Dun, dun. So the goal of matter is settled for now, Mike. Let's move on to the ambassador because we got to drop a bit of a bombshell at the end here. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your quarters in the embassy are set aside. Kaboom! Bomb! <laughs> no. The bombshell is, uh, by the way, before you hear this from someone else, we pulled a certain reverend mother off of the guild highliner. <laughs> uh, maybe you know uh, Gaius Helen Mahayam? Ever heard of her? Why was she on that ship? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think? That's a good fucking yeah, question. Yeah. Why is she rolling with Edric through space, getting here? How did Paul find out? Yeah. Yeah. Would they have had to check the ships? I mean, like, you, yeah, you tell me, Mike. Like, yeah. How she would have been in the bubble, presumably, right? Yeah, you'd think that, protected you by Edric. A lot. You would think that. We went through extensive, like, uh, lengths in the last chapter. Maybe this is also a part of the plan? Maybe she sort of allowed herself to be noticed? Ooh. Maybe a little subterfuge? Yeah. Well, we know Sightail's got his own game. Do you think she's got her own game? I think so. I mean, all the parties are here. They really are. Oh, shit. Yeah. Everyone from that meeting. All the pieces are on the board. Everyone from that meeting is on Arrakis right now. Including hate. 
I think the who plan, was the subject of I the meeting? I think the plan's in progress right now. Oh, I mean, it's since Farouk died, I hope it's well, in, no, no, it no. better not have just been like Side Tales Weekend. <laughs> Side Tale parties like no one. <laughs> I, I, just, I just kill Bashar. So it's like what I do on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you think's going down? I don't know, but like. I, I always assumed like they, they were the schemers. I never would have assumed that they would get in there and do the dirty work themselves. Who? Who? When uh, you say they, uh, the, the um, conspirators. Uh, okay, that, that's a good, I'm like, we have so many factions yeah, on the yeah, table. Good, good yeah. point. Good point. The conspirators of Chapter One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's just uh, you didn't expect them to all like yeah, come, come all to Paul. There. We're all at Paul's they're house. All there. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend at Muadim's. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Um. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be like weekend to Duncan's because now there's a dead Duncan walking around? Uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't go to Bernie's house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they did stay there, but like the whole point was we took the dead body everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think weekend to Duncan's works. <laughs> um, with that, Paul, uh, we're done with this ambassador. Get, okay. the, get the fuck out of here, Edric. Uh, but hey, why don't you stick around for a second? You're my property now anyway. You're not part of this entourage. Now... Everybody leaves. We close the doors. We're now left in this room with a a plethora of guards who are fanned out. Mm-hmm. Stilgar, Hate, and Paul. Aaliyah still up in the spy chamber. Yep, yep. We're Paul, gonna get a little classic Chakopsa here. Yeah, yeah, coming in. I, lo- I love Chakopsa popping up. Uh, but we gotta. Paul's got to signify. Once those doors close, he just goes, "I've done it now. I've accepted the Gola." And it's going to just let us know threshold moment. Like we, yep. we pass through some decision nexus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he then goes, the Tlaxlu creation was bait. No doubt of it. Very likely the old hag of a Reverend mother played the same role. Yeah. So good point of what you were kind of catching up on. Of like, if you think she's playing her own game or not. Uh, but ultimately he then goes the time of the tarot, which he'd forecast in an earlier vision. So, the tarot, uh, which has been we did we we brought it up, uh, mentioned who, uh, Bronzo of X mentioned mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Uh, we're gonna see it actually get played a little later, uh, which is really fun. But basically, it's muddying all of his visions. He can't see a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's an amateur oracle at this point. We're all just <laughs> fogging up the screen. No one can see through, and it's like Paul just being like, "You guys, just stop. You suck at this, and like you're not good. You're just making it harder for me to do my job." Uh, the damnable tarot and his prescience is strained at this point, Mike, we can't detect moments until they're about an hour off. Mm-hmm. We could see a year in the future when we first started doing prescient shit. And now it's getting a little bit more confined. It's a little crowded. That, uh, that means there's just so many moving pieces now though, too. Well, again, it's, it's the people, it's people kicking up dust. It's when they're all, you have millions of people now looking into mm-hmm. the future, where before it was only Paul and the steersman. You know, oh man. Yeah, yeah. okay, continue. What, no, what do you think? No, I'm just, no, no, can, no keep going. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm still thinking about the conspirators. Sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but I love this line, and mainly because it brings up fish here. Many a fish took the bait and escaped, he reminded himself. Oh no, Paul, he's gonna go full later. He's gonna lay the layout. <laughs> but I can make but it out of the scrap. <laughs> and you know, Mike, every time I start this book, I'm like, Yeah, you can let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you can. Oh, terrible, terrible. But I no. I love that how the how the tarot is sort of this fogginess. Um one bit though that sucks. 
Frank, he threw the tarot in just as an ad thing. He knew he could sell it. It was popular at the time. And he even says in an interview, I just threw the tarot in because it was hot. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> really? It's such a big plot point. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. But then, like, when you say it like that, I'm like, yeah, I guess it is a little weird. Oh, it comes out of nowhere in the second book. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they be using the tarot now? And it fucks up prescience so much. What? Like, just like, like, clearly we've had tarot. Like, yeah. how do they forget about the tarot until now? But, oh, that's weird. Very, very. Uh, now, this is the point where, uh, I'm sorry, I just said it was at the end. It's actually right now where Aaliyah looking down. He, uh, he waits with his head cocked to his side. So just again, second use of cocked with his attaching straight to hate. Right, right, right. Uh, Stolgar pulls tack onto now is uh, now that they're alone, he turns to Paul, and he's going to make his opinions known to Paul. And he moves to block hate from Paul's view. He gets in between the Ooh. two of them and speaks in, as you've uh, preluded, Chikopsa. And uh, he basically is telling Paul, like, hey, let me go take its water for the tribe. <laughs> like, let's just go ring this hey, thing out. We're still uh, doing that. Yeah. Well, oh, of course we're still doing that, Mike. Which is and it's still weird because so many Fremen have, like, so much... Uh, I think so much access to water still. Yeah, no, it's not necessary rich, at all. Yeah. yeah. Nope, we're just doing this for funsies. <laughs> uh, but mainly, I think that should emphasize, like, how much of a problem this is for Stilgar. That, like, yeah, we don't need the water, but, like, let me get the water from this creature. Like, yeah, yeah. And just be done with it. Uh, but Paul's like, look, hate is my problem. Guys, Helen Mahayam is your problem, Stilgar. Yeah. I want to find out about that. Yeah, you want that chapter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's just put a pin in that one, Mike. That one, <laughs> we're going to come back to that. That uh, sounds definitely good. Definitely by the end of the book. Uh, and Paul tells him, like, look, make sure you use the men that I trained to resist the voice. So this, I, I assume you're reflecting back on the same scene I am. No, which one? The deaf guy in Tilago. Oh, oh. Okay. And the flight over where the Baron had these people mm-hmm. just to avoid the voice. Those people sucked at it. Yeah. That, that no, deaf man got voiced <laughs> hardcore. I don't think Paul's deaf man gets voiced. Like We didn't say they were deaf. They said they were trained to resist. No, no, the no. Voice. But I'm I'm thinking of the deaf like the Baron specifically got a deaf guy that couldn't yeah, be voiced, but that, then Jessica that, voiced him. Yeah, which was very weird for us. He thought that that's how it happened. That, like, if as long as they can't hear it, it's fine, but it's more to that. Yeah, so much more. So, I I just assume that they are deaf, but, like, some other level of, like, blocking. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, whatever it is, they can resist the wiles of the voice. Oh, question. Yeah. Would they take the water of a gola? Isn't a gola, like, an evil thing to them? Uh... dead flesh raised up no, no so like the abomination was the only thing that was like out of bounds okay uh, the dead flesh is abhorrent but killing it taking its water totally kosher all right cool. yeah and with it you know hey we'll even take a harkening water every now and then mike like, it's, it's fine it's all fine right, it's right. fine uh still girl though he's just he's not pleased with the the way things are going and but he's going to accept paul's orders right and he mm-hmm. he will go so he's going to leave he's walking out and as he walks past tate he does a little and he just sniffs them a little bit. <laughs> and Paul's just like, fucking Fremen and uh, smelling no. omens. And I'm just like, Frank, you clearly only thought of this in this book. It's a little weird that we're doing it twice now. It's it's super weird to have Stilgar say sire. Ooh, don't like it. You don't like Stilgar as a, a creature. You don't like the Stilgar that Gurney would like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not right. <laughs> not right. 
Gurney's just like, oh, finally, they're all referring he's, to him. It's just been so easy going for this past. Think of how relaxed Gurney is right now. Well, <laughs> what do you think Gurney's doing? Blood pressure's down. He's like, yeah, oh, my God, in a hammock playing the ballast set. Like... <laughs> Took a painting. Oh, I, I would love that. Like George Bush, he just takes a painting, but he's like kind of bad at it. Like, yeah, Harnitz is inner James. That's Gurney. not, you know, he's a singer. He's not a painter. <laughs> but now let's go in. We've got everybody out of the room. We've now dismissed Stilgar, right? Yeah. Oh, so, here's the part that I was telling you about. What do you mean? Evil can be detected by its smell, Paul thought. Stilgar had planted the green and white Atreides banner. Oh, thank on a you. Dozen worlds. That's why I'm I'm so caught yeah. up with the smell. Oh my god. You're, you're green and white banner. Atreides banner. That's, that's the new Atreides banner. It's a color. Awesome job, Mike. Yeah. Holy shit. And that is why he's in white. Yeah. Mike, how do you feel? I've never known that. It's weird. I've never known that. Um, well, in a way, it's sort of against what his initial prescience thought was like that green and black banner, like in the jihad. Jihad still happened, but you can change aspects of it. We found, even if it's just a single <laughs> color. It's like you know what? You can't win all the way. I, like you think I did that one for you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I like to think. I love it. It's like you have a little bit of agency, but really not. <laughs> you can change the color of the banner. You can't save a single life, but uh, yeah, change that color. Toggle all you want. Like, find the good setting. Put a pattern in there. Fuck it. <laughs> all right. But Stilgar leaves in his Atreides colors. Uh, and now we can finally talk with this Gola with hate. Mm -hmm. Paul, he studies his quote unquote gift. Then they kind of get down to business. And I, this is so good where he's looking at him. You know, like, and we zone out uh, the guards that are all around him. Let's just you and I be aware. They are listening. They know Stilgar has left. They don't trust this Gola. But he's just like, Duncan, Duncan, what have they done to you? They gave me life, my lord. He's like, mm, but why were you trained and given to us? Paul asked. Hate pursed his lips then. They intend me to destroy you. And I'm like, oh. imagine the guard closest to. Stilgar just <laughs> left. You're with the Emperor. You're like, what? The, what, what the did, did he just say that? <laughs> did, did, did you just <laughs> uh, and like, the Emperor is not signaling for you to kill him. Like, the stress level just has to have gone to a 10 right away. Uh, as as gurney heart pressure goes down, <laughs> Fred, heart pressure goes up. <laughs> up yeah. Inverse ratio. Uh, Paul, he's caught off guard by the gander. Even Paul's like, whoa, didn't think it would be that easy to figure out the Tlax Loop plan. Uh, but it's like, how else could a Mentat have responded? A Zen Sunni Mentat at that. Oh, yeah. That is what he's made for. Now Paul kind of wonders, of like, all right, why the metal eyes? We get the Tlaxo yeah. improved on the normal. I think everything you and I touched upon, like they're there to be a metaphor and to show Paul, uh, they should be a reflection of yourself in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Now, Paul looks up to Aaliyah Spyhall and him longing for her company and advice. She's a rock in a way that like no one else can be. Mm -hmm. uh, much like you said, like the only one that can understand him. Uh, I would even say like in a way that Cheney can't be for him. Yeah. Like, it's a bond they can't share. What is it? She mentioned it earlier. Sibling empathy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like just love bond. that between them. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, I think it is like a, a very metaphysical. Oh, for sure. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's also like the simple form yeah. too, right? Of just like, there's so many things like uh, me and my brother. I think one of the things 
we were apart for a long, like he moved away and I moved away. We kind of came back together in our adult life. But mm-hmm. like, I think we spent our later teens and stuff completely separate. And it's just interesting now that we're together. We have a lot of um, uh, mannerisms that are identical. We laugh the same uh, in some certain things. We do the same. Uh, or just the way my brother laid out his cupboards in his house or the cupboards in the house that we grew up in like where shit is mm-hmm. essentially. And I just think those are very weird, small things that you cue into that like Paul and Aaliyah would be totally on the same page with. Right. And, yeah. And like what they're 16 years apart from one another. Mm-hmm. Well, but, they, <laughs> but they've known each other for their entire lives. I would say Paul 16 years away from her. I don't know what you say from Aaliyah's perspective. Well, no, I'm mean, just like in terms of physical age. Yeah. But Paul has known Aaliyah for her entire life and mm-hmm. Aaliyah's known Paul for his entire life. Mm-hmm. Because of her memory of Jessica. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, they're almost like twins in a way. Um, they had never yeah, grew yeah, up yeah, with each yeah, other. I, I, that, but like, yeah, I want to agree with you. There's sure. just the moment where it's just like we've known each other our entire lives. Yeah. It's just, like, kind of interesting. I, I think the, the thing you really caught me with is that she has known Paul for his entire life. Yeah. That flipping over is very trippy to me, and I think... Uh, that oh, such a weird twist of things mm-hmm. to be like. I remember you as a baby, but it's like <laughs> he's like I remember you as a baby, <laughs> as a mouthy baby at that. <laughs> that that's a really cool one. Yeah. Oh man, their family reunion so fucking weird. <laughs> uh, it's like yeah. Oh, dude, you're gonna love we, the. You know what we can blame for this? We can blame the Benny Jesuit for all of this. Yep. Yeah. Eugene Butler, you want to go all the way back to the beginning? <laughs> you want to go <laughs> like, that far back? I kind of want to put this a little bit on you. Sure. <laughs> a little bit on you. Um, once more, though, Paul looks over at this Gola, and he's sort of uh, like, like, look, this was no frivolous gift. Uh, it gave honest answers to dangerous questions. That's a great line. Uh, with that in mind, Mike, do you think that's going to be Duncan's role in this book? Wait. Giving wait. honest answers to dangerous questions? If you think going forward, Duncan's role in the book is going to be giving honest answers to dangerous questions. Yes, for sure. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be his only role, though. No, no, definitely. I'm not, I'm not pigeonholing him, right, but right, I just right. think as we're going, like, this Zen Sunni philosopher, I think we're going to have, like, several people play off of him. Mm-hmm. And each time, his only role is, like, I'm just going to reflect back all the things you're not willing to say out, maybe aloud, even. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. This is, he's saying the quiet part aloud every time to be like, oh, by the way, I'm here to kill you. I'm just like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Tamp that down a little bit, man. <laughs> that's harsh to hear really plainly. Well, I don't think that's that's not even what he said either, though. They yeah. intend for me to destroy you. To destroy you. But, like, not for him the reason they for anything. No, they no. never said that. No, no. It leaves a lot of room for interpretation. Well, because he doesn't really know either. He doesn't know. But he knows the general idea, and he's going to say it. Got a mission like, statement. That's what I think. Well, I, I more than what he thinks, it's what he knows. Mm. He mentec concluded that. He doesn't know the means, but he definitely knows that's the purpose, so right? Paul's going to be constantly looking for the hate hot take. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hate hot take. Here we go. Ooh, we'll save that for the next book, Mike, your new game. Uh, but I love that uh, Paul thinks about what Sightail has said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it... It does not matter if he knows. Yeah. It's the exact thought that goes to mind. Like, they don't care if I know that he's here to destroy me. I'm like, oh, that's why Sightail connects with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are two peas in a pod. Um, and then Paul, ultimately, he directly asked uh, this hate. I was going to say Duncan again. It keeps wanting to come oh. to mind. But, like, 
if I, you already know you're going to destroy me, I might as well ask you, like, how should I protect myself from you? Uh, and, you know, he says it, too, in a way that he would have spoken to Duncan. Yeah, he... Uh, you know what that means? Familiarity. That means the plan's working. Yeah. Because clearly this thing's already, like, uh, getting to him in a weird subliminal way that Paul's not even realizing he's reacting to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the hate's answer is very, very easy. Send me away, my lord. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's it. Edric, pack it up, take it back with you. Return to sender, just get this thing out of here. But Paul shakes his head side to side. He's like, no, 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 no. How are you to destroy me? And Hate looks at the guards. Moved closer. And I'm like, I feel for those men. Like, good God, you would not want to be the one who, like, the emperor died on your watch. Yeah. Hell no. Not- Stilgar, I left for five minutes. minutes to go do <laughs> what one. did you do? It's so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and like, it ends up being, uh, he turns, he casts his gaze around, but he ends up just looking back at those metal eyes that are staring right back at Paul. Ooh. And uh, yeah, you're, you're locking in, you're looking in a machine. Maybe that's part of what it is to tell you too, of like, as much as he just connected to Duncan, he locks into the one thing that reminds you that it's not Duncan. You you like you can't forget it, right? Mm. You can't even buy into the lie. If it had human eyes, maybe you could convince yourself this is my friend. But there's always going to be like a barrier there in a way. Uh, ooh, and you know how the eyes of the window to the soul? Oh, put a put a wall like, over his soul essentially. Uh, hate and Paul bandy words a little bit. Uh, and this is where they like Paul's sort of like, oh, well, we gotta get into Mentem mode. I gotta get on your level, kind of. And we go back and forth, mm-hmm. but ultimately, like they just talk nothing, and we end up at the same conclusion. And it's Paul being like, we, and I love that he uses we, both hate and Paul need more data. Both Mentats can't surmise a conclusion. They all know what's happening. You're trapped. You're here to destroy me. But neither of them can be like how. They're sort of just like throwing platitudes back and forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, Duncan's answer, though, so good here. We get a good hey. mentat. Oh, you're right. Sorry, sorry. I'm in the Paul perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get in the mentat. Don't trust this motherfucker. I'm in the Stolgar perception here. Yeah, yeah. You should be. He smells weird. A little off. <laughs> what, what do you think he smells like? Cardamom, maybe. Cardamom. <laughs> well, cinnamon would be pleasant. So maybe I don't know. I don't know just some weird ginger. I mean, hanging out with Edric, it's gonna be cinnamon. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be like sour cinnamon. <laughs> why, why sour? Eh, well, you got to make it somewhat gross and off-putting. Like, <laughs> it's it's got to be a bad omen. No, no, to get to a bad omen. Oh, okay. I'm thinking, well, like, uh, one of the weird things for me, like, uh, so I grew up, my parents are smokers. I love the smell of, like, a cigarette that's lit. Stale smoke still sells disgusting to me, though. Okay. And, like, I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. But it's a weird thing where, like, fresh tobacco, like, I enjoy that smell. All right. And it's just very weird. But, huh. like, the stale smell is revolting. I can see cinnamon being the same way. Okay. Of, like, lingering on. Just, like, uh, it just becomes, like, oh, you just smell like a hobo now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that take. Yeah. That's my hate take. <laughs> Your hate, <laughs> hate <hot> take. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be able to say just, it to pitch yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's too fresh. Um, now, I'd love this again. So, Paul, uh, we're going to kind of... Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even get to the point of hate that I loved here. <laughs> we got stuck on that. 
<laughs> Talking about Mentat data. He just has this great metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. Of uh, the facts needed by a Mentat do not brush onto one or off onto one as one might gather pollen on your robe. You choose your pollen carefully. You examine it under powerful amplification. That's so cool. Like You don't just casually go learning stuff, Mike. You got to find the right yeah. facts because like, there's so much garbage out there. Totally. So good. Powerful amplification. Clearly taking in your data. Paul is Mentats, like... Mentats, we stay clear of Wikipedia. No, oh, <laughs> we're the writers. Uh, yeah. Uh, Paul's like, man, I got to pick up some of the Zensini rhetoric. Like, <laughs> get me to your level. Because you're like, you're out, Zens- or out Mentatting me at every corner. Well, it's not It's not the out Mentat. It's just like the way you're saying it. It's like, I wish I could describe it that way. It's like, like that's perfect. Yeah. But, so what do you... Is it just an appreciation? Yeah, I think it is. Because like, I mean, Paul, very well-versed man. Yeah, I I don't even know what the limits of his schooling are at this point. But the to get to a field of philosophy I mean, that he fe- sixteen years on Caledon, that's n- about it. No, you know that's not true though. He can go in the future. He's got the other avenues, and we get, we don't know what he took. But because um that stupid example where he goes in the future and reads mm-hmm. his grandpa's name, yeah, yeah, I just I got to account that for something. Are we ever going to like see a moment where he does that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. No. Much like oh. Aaliyah leaving a message in nothing like nothing. <laughs> Frank just like forgets about it and changes the rules. Oh. It's ridiculous. Absurd. So we get back to the one thing hate wants him to do. Send me away, sire. Send me away. For the love of God, put me on that highlighter and get me out of here. Oh, and I'm sorry. It's even, uh, it was Duncan Idaho's voice full of concern for the young master. Ooh. Ooh. And I'll, you know they throw it in there to hit that heart chord on oh, you. Oh, yeah. Just to know how hard that is plucked in Paul. Like, that is resonating. And he doesn't say young master, obviously, but, like, that's what Paul heard. Right. That's important to us. And it says, Paul felt trapped by that voice. Exactly what Sytel wants. He couldn't send that voice away, even when it came from Agola. You will stay, he said, and we'll both exercise caution. Uh... He took the bait. Yeah. Yeah. Has he made a mistake? Um, I don't know. Maybe. It's hard to say. I think uh, you made a good point that, like, we probably crossed the nexus here by accepting the Gola. Mm-hmm. If that Gola wasn't here, would this plan still work? I guess is what it comes down to. I don't know how the plan's going to unfold, well, so I'm not sure. Well, so far, you know the... um. Uh, looking back on uh, would have been chapter one when we had the meeting of the conspirators. Right. Psychic poison was hate. So you know you do know enough that it's the center of the conspiracy to inflict whatever change they want to inflict on Paul. So to, to catch to him get off him, guard. Well, to get him to whatever the the, right, right, right. the last step is. Like there's something else in the plan we definitely don't know. Hate's a means to an end. Right, right, right. And that's the confusing bit. Because like you pointed out, destroying him is not killing him. Right. right? We're trying to affect some means of change that will, for Sightail, get Paul under Tlaxlu control. For Guy's Helen and for Edric, who knows what. But presumably each of them want personal control over the mm-hmm. Emperor too, probably. But with this, we're going to keep hate. Hate accepts this. Uh, and I love, is it Aaliyah actually that says the ghosts? Are Golas are ghosts to frighten children, or is that Paul's mind? Uh, I think that was Paul. It's Paul thinking of it. I love that. Of like, there's just our ghost stories. I'm <laughs> like, you know, now there's actually one in the room with me. It's a little freaky. Uh, 
And then Paul, though, I think we get another bit of looking up at that spy hole because he's like, God, I just wish Aaliyah could come down, take hate from me, and suss out all of his secrets. Like, mm-hmm. let me just pass it off to St. Aaliyah of the Knife. All right, well, when prescience fails you, you turn to spies. Ooh, yes, physical spies. Yeah. Uh, and then Paul looking at this is like, he'll have to remove all compassion when dealing with hate. Uh, if he can. And then he thinks to himself, is there any Duncan in there? Any Duncan at all? Ooh, what do you think, Mike? Uh, you're, you're still leaning towards no. I want to say no. There's something going on with Duncan. And I, I think I think that is ultimately what I think that question is there for. I yeah. think there's a little bit in the genes, just like we have from uh, Lady Jessica, like being able to look back into her timeline. Oh, I thought you just meant because he fills them out so well. <laughs> no. <laughs> Such a good-looking guy. But, uh... I mean, yeah, I think there's something in there, but he can't access it. So it hasn't influenced who he is. Yeah, yeah, this hate. And ultimately, like, that's my answer for that. I'm down with that. Uh, so Paul, he's like, you know what? I don't got spies on me. I'm going to dip into prescience to try to figure this out real quick. And he's kind of like, do, 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 do. Uh, and we get this awesome bit where it's like old vision surged around Paul. Would he have, uh, would he have to choose the terrible way? distorted time hinted at this gola in that hideous future would would that way close in upon him no matter what he did disengage 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 the thought told in his mind now is that his thought or is that like a prescient thought is it that him telling himself like i need to escape from this uh, the, the, like, would he have to choose a terrible well, way? The disengage. Oh, disengage. I think I disengage think... is the, like, um, sub, oh, uh, what was it? Racial unconscious? Like the, that grand unconsciousness. Right, right, yeah. Right. Much like terrible purpose last time. Gotcha. I think it is sort of embodied there. Uh, otherwise I think he's having the thought though of like, cause he keeps alluding that Paul has seen another decision path that he just isn't willing to describe to you and I as the writer. Right. This uh, would I have to choose the terrible way? This hideous future. And we're like, you want to elaborate, Paul? Because I would love to know what that is right now. Uh, but he's gonna hold back, and uh, he ultimately sees there's been no vision of Duncan. Yeah. Well, be and like the obvious reason is because an oracle has yeah. concealed him, which I love. He snaps right to that, like, oh, you, you bastards. Uh, and then he's sort of just like on the off chance, uh, hey, uh. Are you prescient? <laughs> Shot in the dark. It's like, no, my lord. It's like, he's telling the truth, but maybe he doesn't know it. Uh, yeah. Because I didn't know it for the longest time. But, well, no, uh, same, same, but different. Uh, okay. Paul's an exception. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you are totally right. But he, I love that he comes to the thought that uh, this would handicap the Mentat if he didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh yeah, just because like he's come so far along in his life. Paul learned during puberty when you needed to know. Yeah, hate is past that point. But I love the, I like that you get to entertain that notion of like he could be and does not know any better. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. fucked up would that be? That would be weird. That would be really. Ooh, and would that mean they made another Quizach Hotterock? Oh, maybe not. Maybe the secret is you don't let it know it is one, or else it kills itself. Well, the Quisage Hotterock is more than just prescience. We know that. Definitely. Definitely. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, we got the terrible purpose, or rather, terrible purpose's cousin disengaged, disengaged coming <laughs> in. <laughs> Gotta get that right. And then we uh, end up at our last uh, paragraph heading out of this chapter. 
In her position above Paul, Aaliyah sat with chin cupped in her left hand, stared down at the gola. A magnetic attraction about this hate reached up to her. Tlilaxlu restoration had given him youth, an innocent intensity which called out to her. She'd understood Paul's unspoken plea. When oracles failed, one turned to real spies and physical powers. She wondered, though, at her own eagerness to accept this challenge. She felt a positive desire to be near this new man, perhaps to touch him. He's a danger to both of he's a danger to both of us, she thought. Yeah. And our chapter closes, but I we, we obviously we gotta unpack that a little bit before we get out of here. Just that the attraction to Aaliyah, it's working. Yeah. The attraction to Paul is working. This hate is beautifully designed. Yeah, Whatever yeah, yeah. Sightail had in mind, like he's knocked it's it a- out of the park. Aaliyah's not even in the room and she already wants to bang Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she wants to come down from that spot. Do you think that's indicative of any sort of uh attraction Jessica might have had for Duncan? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think because everything everything about Duncan that she has is Jessica's. Without a doubt. True. There's no other person it can be. So I think there was a little attraction. But she is also a 15-year-old girl. You, yeah, going to, uh, and actually, uh, I think you're going to appreciate, we're going to be in Aaliyah's mind a little down the road when she's with hate, yeah. specifically. And it is going to completely, uh, she's aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can completely, um, um, what do I want to say? Separate herself? Yeah, and she can look at both the different things and be like, this is how me reacting, and this is my body reacting. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just the physical hormones going through me, and there's nothing I can do. And she has a few <laughs> moments where, like, she'll, uh, it's so, I don't even want to actually go into it even more. All but right, yeah, all right, all right. We're going to see Aaliyah. Is a, she's a prepubescent girl. Or uh, going through her changes. <laughs> it is amazing. I love it. Uh is there anything else you want to talk about on this one? Uh, I think I think I'm good if you are. I'm not. Oh, what do you oh, got? The conspirators. I want to talk about them oh, more. Oh, all right. What do you What do you want to unpack? All right. So we know that he suspects the Tleilax, uh, Tleilaxu. Mm-hmm. And uh, I apologize. I go between Tleilaxu and Tleilaxu interchangeably. Yeah, but yeah. That's just the face dancer I am. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> sure. I see what you did there. Uh, we know guys Helma Hayam. Mm-hmm. We know. She's involved. She's a bait. She's something here. I, don't, I think he suspects uh, the Space and Guild and Edric a little bit because, like, oracles. That's how you keep the I, secret. I mean, I think uh, if he... There's no way he can't look at Edric and be like, you? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're with him right now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like that had to have been noticed. Right. But Irulan is the only one that hasn't really been noticed. Um, because like okay. yeah, we don't know Sightail, but we know the organization. Yeah, Irulan is sort of flying under the radar on all of this. Sure, and I think Ooh. that's a part of the reason why she was needed to be brought in. Okay. Well, actually, if I can touch on her, the line that Irulan brought up—that uh, some tr- some lies are easier to believe than the truth. Mm-hmm. Paul is believing the lie that she's a spy for the Bene Gesserit. Ooh, that's way easier than thinking like she's involved in a deeper conspiracy. Like, right, right, right. That might be part of the ingeniousness of her cover. Is like, oh, I already know she's a spy. Right, right, right. So I'm not going to look any deeper for her subterfuge because I know who she's like, what she's right. doing, and why she wants this. But now there's that double edged thing, and because we got that that whole conversation where she is offering him a way out, like, give me your baby, 
and I will be on your side. Right, right, and he's right. just like, no, fuck you, Irulan. Irulan gets really mad, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I clearly hurt your feelings. But he clearly doesn't know why. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. Okay. So that, Irulan, that's, just, that's just what I wanted to go into, just establish that, like, Irulan's role in things. Okay. It's, like, much more important than I think we're giving it credit for. The last bit then I want to zero in on, obviously, Edric makes sense to me. The guy's Helen bit. Is she breaking away from the other groups? What do you, you think is happening with her, though? I don't know. I think her is presence it, there is part of the larger plan, though. For the conspiracy? For the Bene Gesserit? For just guys, for the Helen? conspiracy. Do you think she has any personal vendettas, too? Unless Jessica's there. Unless she's yeah, going right. to kill Aaliyah. But, <laughs> I mean... That would probably be high on her agenda yeah, yeah, yeah. like, of all things. Like, she's not happy with Aaliyah. No. Uh, you want to get Paul under your thumb, though? Killing his sister is not the way to do it. Valid, valid point. Valid point. But maybe, yeah, uh, we're going to figure out why she wanted to go into the lion's den. Yeah. If she did want to do it on purpose, which that could have be, it could be something that Paul could be heavily <laughs> upper hand on. Like, I still want to know how Paul knew. And I'll tell you, like, we don't get an answer. Mm -hmm. I don't know how Paul knew, Mike. <laughs> like, to imagine she was on the Edric ship and Edric just forgot she was there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Forgot the drunk whale, we're already here. You think Edric forgot one of his three friends? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Much <laughs> like much like Irulan had to ride shotgun that whole trip, Gaius Helen had to be up there with him. I love it. <laughs> but with that, let's leave these conspirators behind, Mike. Let's and I know it. an even sketchier organization we can go hang out with. Who is it? Audible. Let's do it. All right, Mike. Look, we've been sitting on a throne. Edric came in. He gave us a little gift. Like, what else do you got for me? Oh, we got two little gifts, actually. Oh, there's a second gift? Yeah, what? Every goal you get comes with a free 30-day <laughs> trial. <laughs> you can visit audibletrial.com slash pod. Because, hey, we love Audible here. <laughs> we love Golas. We love Golas, too. Uh, when you sign up with Audible, you get one free credit that you can use to pick from one of thousands of titles, like Dune. My first audiobook. Hell yeah. Uh, if you sign up with your Amazon Prime account, you get two credits instead. Ooh, you can get two books. You can get two books. You get a Doom, Doom Messiah. Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> From then on, you receive an additional credit each month to help you build an amazing audiobook library. Derek. Yeah. What are you listening to? Oh, Mike. You know, I there's so many things that I love. I love everything, I think, by Alexander Dumas. Oh. And I dip back in to The Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Classic. I know. I grew up on um, watching the Disney version with Keith or Sutherland as Athos, oh. and I think Charlie Sheen's in there as Aramis, which is terrible as a priest. <laughs> uh, fantastic movie. The book is way different and way better. Uh, it goes. It's like very episodic. Mm -hmm. uh, if I recall, he published them like in a newspaper kind of thing. They were, like each chapter would come out each week kind of deal. Oh, uh, and that was how it was originally like uh, spread out, and the people read it and enjoyed it. I love it, though. It takes you on this huge journey, and I just wanted to share you my favorite little uh, vignette within the story of, like, this little arc that happens where we got to go get this uh, gem that's in England, right? So all the musketeers leave, and we got to go from France all the way to the channel. Sure. As we're going, each of the musketeers leaves off. Like, they have a little encounter of a problem, so one stays behind to get it. So we leave Aramis. We leave Atho or, uh, Porthos. When we get to the last stop, this is where we leave Aramis. Or, I'm sorry, Athos, the head guy, our main man. Mm -hmm. He fights his way down. D'Artagnan goes on. 
When D'Artagnan comes back, he picks up each of them. When he gets to where he left Athos, this tavern owner comes out and he's like, thank God you're back. He's been in the basement for three weeks. He's drunken all of my wine. He keeps eating the food. And if we go down there to kick him out, he shoots his gun at the door. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so Athos has been shit faced for like three weeks while D'Artagnan's been in England. And he just has to get him and extract him from this basement. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's so good. Athos is like shit faced drunk. He's been needs like sausage in this for like this whole time just hold up in this basement i love it it's so comical i never saw that coming when i finally read the book uh but it's a really great adventure that's the three musketeers by alexander dubas that's pretty fantastic that's wild too it's, I wouldn't it's have seen so that coming. fun there's also a little bit where each of them tell d'artagnan how to treat his servant does not age well. <laughs> oh, God. Athos's remedy is you beat them until they no, understand silence. It would be. Yeah. Jesus. He's a harsh guy. But hey, Derek. Yeah. 30 days are up. What if you don't like Audible? Okay. This happened to me once. Okay. I was traveling around, you know, doing as I do. And all of a sudden, this Audible car came up and just pulled me aside. And they, like, brought me in for this really big meeting. And I was like, what is going on here? And they told me, you have 30 days or we will destroy you. Oh. And they both, I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'll cancel. That's fine. I, I didn't get the whole point of it. Apparently, it was a goal the whole time, Mike. Maybe that happened to you. Uh, for most people, though, they will go ahead and let you know with a little courtesy email. Oh, oh, that would have been much easier. It would have been a lot easier. Still get to keep your entire audiobook library, whether or not you continue. Including all those Audible originals audible you originals, added in there. Anything you add in with your credits, those are yours to keep forever. And we know you understand the value of a good book. You read Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. So guys, head on over there. Let us know what you picked up with your free trial at audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. All right, let's get back into this. I want to know what this deep dive is. Yeah, Mike, we're diving into the tank for this one. And Mike, so rarely do we take a deep dive into a tank, but we get to today. <laughs> is that what we're doing? And what do you think we're doing? Uh, are we doing navigator tanks? No, we're doing axolotl tanks. Oh, I will ultimately get full circle back to a navigator tank, though, if you want. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, actually, it's the tank that Edric was in before he was put into that tank. Really? Wait, what? Yeah, we have a special one. We got to put him in first. So we're doing axolotl tanks. Gotcha. So... Again, like um, with the face dancers, Tlaxo in general, we put a big old asterisk on this one, Mike, because yep. Frank changes his mind down the road. Okay, And sure. he says, like, nope, none of it. <laughs> none of it's true. None of it. So is, this is all encyclopedia. This is all encyclopedia and God Emperor and before. Okay. Like, I think Frank is on board for, like, this version of Sightail. Sure. But once you get to Heretic, it's all different. And uh, there's also actually some wiggle room because of that 3,500 years where God Emperor goes down sure, and sure. then the time after it, maybe it's during that time they changed everything up. Like, I mean, like that is a long period of time. Def definitely. And then you could totally see like um, them losing track of their previous history and thinking that was the way it always was or something right. like totally has that option there. Um, much like we all know for fact that Rome never fell within doom, but like a lot of people have weird <laughs> perceptions of like how that worked out. Um, we know different for fact opinions. Uh, um, and you, uh, I don't know why it bugs me. Yeah. But uh, you call them axolotl. 
a lot of other people call him Axolotl. The audiobook calls him Axolotl. I, <laughs> wait, wait, I, ever yeah, since I, I did I wanna, my thing. I want to point back, but I think this is bugging it's, you. It's just me. You. Yeah. But, like, I love the fact that, like, the Axolot. Axolot, yeah, with, like, the, um, uh, uh, what was Mayan pronunciation for Yeah, that? Mayan. That was really cool. And it's, like, the salamander. Yeah. Oh, and salamanders are perfect for them. Yeah, yeah. Growing everything so back. I, I'm in the back of my mind. I'm always calling it the Ashlot tank. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Which is, I mean, like, that was my first uh, interpretation of it, though. So, like, that's why I'm going to remember it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, I uh, at any point that I'm saying that, just know that, like, that's that's why, that's why I'm doing it. Hey, I think even in the beginning, we kind of etched out Cheney. Is the only Ch- one. Yeah, Cheney. Ch- That's yeah. the only one that. Ma- oh, I'm sorry. Piter. Piter was probably the harshest. Uh, I redacted entirely. Piter was the first one. Cheney came second. Those are the only two names we are willing to fight over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything else is fair game. Axolotl. How can you not say axe? Like, That's true. It's such a powerful um, combination of letters. So, the axolotl tank, Mike, is the most essential Flelaxlu achievement. Developed in rudimentary form long before Tleilax was discovered by the guild. And this is during the period when Tleilaxlu genetically manufactured lower forms to staff their elaborate social order. Oh. And I got those forms for you, Mike. Okay, sure. Thralls. Okay, cool. Very cool word. Fiergoya. I don't know where I don't that know. one comes from. Dude, I searched it endlessly on the internet. If anyone has a better idea for the next two, because the, the third one is clearly a derivative to Laxlu. Uh, Tharaxu. Okay. T-H-A-R-A-X-U. Sure. So, Thralls, Thirgoya, and Tharaxu. These are going to be the social order of the Bene Tleilax. And I told you before, it was like a stratified kind of society. Sure. Being, but I was talking very much from my perspective, like Heretics of Dune Chapter House, where mm-hmm. we really define masters and face dancers as like our big groups. We're throwing these other subgroups in. They're never going to make an appearance, though. They're just there for the sake of... For the encyclopedia. Okay. Yeah. Um, but our, they're going to serve a similar form, like the... The way the society operates doesn't change too much in like even when Frank changes it, right? right. There's still like a strata, a um, a caste system to the society that has like ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the axolotl tank was thus the result of a long history of prior genetic research and development, in which the low the lower social forms served as experimental subjects. Oh. We just tested on So we're just going to test them on... Hey, intern, get over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Comical interns, essentially. Just fodder. Uh, axolotl technology was not confined to the quote-unquote tank itself, which was little better than an artificial womb. The tanks were actually vessels for the end products and hosted a wide spectrum of, of activities centered on DNA recombination. Now, artificial wombs, Mike, you know, we've made those. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've, uh, they, in 2017, they grew a lamb. Yeah, yeah, In an artificial womb. It basically a Ziploc bag with some tubes tied to it. Jeez. But I just think it's great. Like, we've done it. And uh, the benefit, do you know why they invented that technology? Nope. Or the, the, at least the people behind that project was for premature babies. 
Oh. Of like literally just to give them a better chance on their birth. Like we can mm-hmm. put them back in the environment they should kind of be in to hopefully just bring the stats up sure, so yeah. we can stop this uh, from being like such a problem that it is. Uh, so that was great. Did you ever see the picture of the lamb in it? No. Oh, man. It's really, it's gnarly because you could see it. Because obviously well, it's, it's clear. It's clear back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So fucking gnarly. Uh, it's just like on a table with like the wires going in and then like they hook it right up to the umbilicals of it. Wow. So cool. I mean, amazing that we could do that and just be like, we're that close to Tlaxley, Mike. But I <laughs> Not much closer. Yeah. Um, after the experiment emerged from the axolotl solution, the results could be tested. The nature of this solution and of the tank was determined by the product being manufactured. The entire technology became increasingly refined and sophisticated as the Tlaxlu curiosity and the demands of the Imperium increased. Okay. Because, like, we can special order anything, Yeah, yeah. Right? it's like you can grow anything in there, pretty much. We can make different animals do different things. We can make people do different things. Like, it's a wide verse, not just goalless. Right. Like, not just face dancers mm-hmm. and espionage. We're making... Is uh, this where chair dogs come from? Yes! <laughs> I was just gonna go into that. There's so dude. Oh my god the the weirdest fucking thing Frank goes into in um I think it's Heretics is he spends like half a page just like describing this sausage source. There's like a meat that you can get that is like from an animal to Tlaxlu produce. That's like it's like a cross between a pig and some other like bottom feeder, like a pig and a lobster essentially. Okay. Like, something like you just eat anything, convert it into meat, and then you can harvest it. And it makes like an okay source of meat. But like the Tlaxlu don't it's so much detail he goes into <laughs> for something that's like just on the table in a scene. It's fucking bizarre. But yeah, they're making stuff like that. They're making like foods you can do and stuff like anything along the way. Um, a parallel to that is, uh, have you ever heard about the, like the wild hog problem in the Southern U S uh, no. So when the Spanish came over, they brought with them boars, uh, and they just fucking put them out in the wild. They did this with a lot of their colonies because it was an amazing food source. The boars can eat anything. Mm -hmm. And basically you could convert wood, nuts, whatever into pork. And then you just go out and they multiply so quickly. You just kill a boar, drag it back. Now, leave colonization behind, Mm -hmm. develop the world a few hundred years, get to where we are. There are just massive, uh, (laughs) like, herds of boars Mm -hmm. that ravage through the Southwest. Like, you're allowed to hunt them with anything. There are no restrictions. You can go, uh, like, ATVing with, like, a grenade launcher. Jesus. Uh, Yeah, totally. Boars are allowed. You can do anything you want to boars because they're such a fucking troublesome problem. <laughs> ATV with the grenade launcher. Yeah. Dude, hit Google. There are, <laughs> yeah. They'll they'll helicopter you out and give you the fucking like uh AR fifteen to shoot them with. Like Jesus. there are tours you can do. It's so gnarly. Uh and there's just no respect for these pigs at all. Wow. But that's why they're there. And it's very much like the Tlaxlu can do the similar thing and make creatures though that just pump out produce or whatever. Right, right, right. Um now in the beginning, such products as thralls and Thirgoya had been difficult to obtain. Later, after the guild made itself known, the Tlaxlu marshaled their expertise to discover and explore what has been called the DNA Touchstone Template. Okay. So, this is where I had to do like a bit of a, kind of a neck jerk of like, what, what? 
the fuck? D like that's really cool. And they even give me the um, abbreviation if it's the DTT. Okay, Every, sure. Everyone does the DTT. The DTT. Uh, you know, the key to the basic mechanism and functioning of the fundamental double helix. So, okay. And I was like, ooh, what? I was like, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, double helix is only one thing. Mm-hmm. So that got me to be like, wait, wait, what do you know about genes, like, Frank? Mm-hmm. So I put in, uh, I want to figure out, Mike, when do you think we sequence the first gene? Oh, God, I have no idea. Yeah, it was way late in time. It was in the 90s. So oh. I was like, shit. That's not going to help. I'm like, <laughs> let's go back further. At the point in uh, 1969, when we published Dune Messiah, Mike, sure. we had not sequenced the genome. We were nowhere close. We had sequenced a protein. And that was it. <laughs> and it was the insulin protein in 1955, 14 years ago. That's not that long, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the first method... And this is not even practice yet, but just the method to sequence DNA was published in 1970. So Frank is doing everything without knowing the basic building blocks of life, Mike. You know, you know that bit in Jurassic Park that you and I have seen where the yeah. DNA, the building blocks of DNA. <laughs> He's never seen that. He's, He's never no watched idea. that movie. <laughs> no idea how that works. Um, so I love that they refer to the double helix as a whole, whereas I think you and I would always refer to it as like the four letter blocks. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sure. That assemble and like unite everything together. Sure, yeah. He doesn't know what those are. He doesn't even know they, well, he probably knows they exist. Uh, there is like obviously a lot of research into DNA. Like people know what DNA is, right. especially the academics. I imagine Frank has dipped into this research a little bit because he's, everything that Tlaxo do makes sense. And I feel like checks out in a way with the exception of uh, where Duncan's pulling his memories from. And that's also why I think he does that. He doesn't know any better. Right. 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 Like to me, that's like batshit crazy. Right. Of like genes and memory. Nah, that's not how that works. Like that's somewhere else. But like, he's like, yeah, we don't know. We can, we can merge it together. And he does. And it, it I mean, it makes an, well, I mean, that, that, I can buy into it enough. Because it's the epitome of science fiction at that point in time. Taking what you know yeah. and go one step further. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so I love this. And this is, uh, they continue on with, uh, and we're going to use DTT. Uh, so DNA touchstone template. I take that as just genome sequencing. Sure. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. This is like what lets them manipulate the double helix. Right. And you just had to make up a word for it. Uh, so manipulation of the DTT naturally required the development of a more advanced technology. And thereafter, it was a simple matter for the Bene Tleilacs to delve into the potential of double helix recombination and manipulation. And again, I, I love keep saying double helix. We don't, yeah. we don't use that word enough, no. honestly, when we say <laughs> DNA. Double helix is really cool. Uh, so development of the three lower classes of the Tlaxu, the Thrall, the Thirgoya, and the Thraxu. And I don't have any explanation further of what they are. It just says they're there, but it doesn't say what they do. Yeah. So like a Thrall, I imagine being like almost mindless. Like yeah. A, like a brute. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. knuckle dragger, a Raban, if you will. Okay. Uh, what do you what do you want a Thirgoya to be? Clearly, Thraxu is the closest to being a person I have, on their planet. I have no idea. Uh, uh, I because like I want one to be a mindless laborer. That's what a thrall would be. Thrall. Yeah, they right. designed them that way. 
They definitely are built for yeah. whatever your three points of society would be. Their Goya, you know what? I think of when I think of Goya, I think of the uh, company that makes like uh, it's like a Spanish company. They make like coconut milk. Yeah, the food company. Yeah. It's like uh, if you want to get your pinto beans, your uh, frijoles negros, like you go Goya all the way. Like I think these are the farmers. <laughs> I, okay, uh, may- you got nothing to push back on, Mike. Sure, Shut I don't. up. Thorax <laughs> suit. Okay, you sure. may you may take these ones out uh, wherever you want. <laughs> all right. What do you think the Thorax are doing in society? I have no idea. All right. I'm going to say there's sex toys then. Okay. <laughs> Aaliyah said we got soldiers, we got menials, and we got sex toys. Sure. Why not? Hey, if you can't think of anything pushed back with Mike, that's where we end up. I mean, I, that's, I feel like that requires some research. This is where some weird lore gets established. <laughs> uh, now, what I love, though, is so we're taking these three classes, Mike. Mm-hmm. These are child's play. Compared to what the Benny Talaxlu could later accomplish with the DTT. Oh. Because all those were done before they were manipulating the genes. Right, right, right. Those were probably all done by the same way like we would breed plants. Okay. Just keeping track of, you know, um, traits that you want to enforce and like sure, uh, sure, sure. reestablish. Uh, after the discovery of the DTT, the Talaxlu were challenged by the guild. Oh. Could DTT manipulation produce a superior breed of steersmen and navigators with heightened spice trance ability? Oh, this so is they tried. They tried and they succeeded, Mike. Is Edric actually made by the Tleilaxu? All of them are. Oh, shit. All the fish people. Like, that's what we're going to get to. So, looking back when uh, Stilgar and his many folders uh, was pumping <laughs> them out and we were able to connect the Ixians, the Guild, and Tleilaxu... Even more, we know the Ixians and the Guilds are basically the same thing. And now mm. we're finding out the Tlaxlu are making the Steersmen. Right. And now, I don't know how committed Frank is to this, but, like, the genetic manipulation of them was already alluded to. So it would have to be through the Bene Tlaxlu, because no other faction would do that mm-hmm. or take part in that study. DNA recombination produced guildsmen who were transferred directly from the axolotl tank to the prescience chamber filled with a liquid enriched with oxygen and melange gas. Oh. So we take them from the artificial womb and we have to put them into basically like this little mid womb, if you will. Like you can't breathe normal air. You're this like super uh, spice saturated like creature. You go into an oxygen spice mixture, essentially. Now, these members of the fraternity were produced with fish like gills in addition to lungs to aid in respiration. uh, Breathe the liquid. Yeah, even more so. Yeah. And I, probably because you need it to get through this middle stage to survive. But that's why he's fish-like in it. Uh, the oxygen melange mixture in the prescience chambers was extremely heavy, and the guildsmen were further equipped with webbed hands similar to those of a frog to maintain their equilibrium. The result was both effective and grotesque. <sighs> Don't gotta, you say that about Edric. Got to throw a little shade in there <laughs> a little bit, right? But I I love that so idea. I thought that they turned that way naturally just by ingesting like spice re- and being in zero yeah. G, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- but that's not the case. I mean, I think it's my fault for insinuating that. So, I thought that's how it was. 
So they're grown that way. They are they are manufactured. That makes a little bit more sense, I think. And maybe why Guy is Helen hates them all the fucking more. Oh yeah. How unnatural you are. Yeah. I, I, I was just giving them the benefit of the doubt because I didn't know better, Mike, but you don't trust a fucking steersman. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, a technocratic society, which is what the Benetlilacs are, they mm-hmm. organize their genetic manipulations into product departments. Okay. Or, or business, Mike. Sure. That's all we are. All right. One dealt with Twisted Mentats. Maybe your favorite. Yeah. yeah. But, all right. Approved. <laughs> Done. One dealt with the Guild. One with the sexual surrogates. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, one with religious engineering. Interesting. One with Golas. One with face dancers. And still another with Talaxu archetypes and their Quisot Hadarak program. Right. They made saints and sinners, right? Oh, wait, I want to know more about the religious one. What's going on there? I, I mean, I got nothing. What do you think they're doing? I, I mean, it, it does separate. Religious engineering is separate. What does that even own, mean? Own little school. Interesting. That's, yeah, I mean, to be physical, though, ultimately, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you would get to. Without we have to do with like creating beings and engineering like uh, well, the each, faith. Every other of the schools is you're literally creating a like, twisted mentat person, right. guild a person, sexual surrogates a person, gola a person, face dancer a person. Okay, let's go all the way back then to religious engineering. Could be a person, but you're influencing their faith and thoughts, making profits, maybe profits. Yeah. I think I think that's got to be kind of what it is. I don't know. It's just weird. But, but, but like, I don't, where does that even show up? Because all I ever see is the OCV. Well, no, no. I was thinking, yeah, maybe working with. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Even, I kind of want to speculate, but like everything I go down, the road ultimately leads to a parallel to Bene Gesserit, and I don't think they're that. No. Like I was thinking, like they must be infiltrating these religions. They're clearly not creating their own. But then, like, to what end? I, I don't I know. No idea. I, just to see if they can. That seems to be the mantra, sort of. You think they're uh what's uh what's that uh the chaos guy in Jurassic Park? Uh you know who I'm thinking of though. Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm. Yeah, oh, it's just the antithesis of him. It's like he's coming here. Oh, right, he, right. he would be their lawyer essentially <laughs> to be like they didn't ask if they could. <laughs> they just or if they should, they asked if they could. <laughs> Now, the axolotl tank itself is thus significant more in terms of a symbol than technology. So we were talking about these departments where everyone's got their own bureau, right? Mm -hmm. These several departments are more overlapped, sharing knowledge and techniques, each ultimately represented by the Bene Tleilac's commissaries, the Supreme Forum. So that's like their government. They're like commissars at the top of all these that come together. And that's how this technocratic society is run. Okay. Which is super gnarly mm-hmm. of like, all right. So these commissaries are just who's in charge, really. Each of these programs is almost running independently at the right, same time. Right. It's almost like a like a educational uh, institution in a way. Yeah. yeah. Like we all, like, we all a- have our own labs. We all are, have our own aims and goals. But, like, this is the banner that we're all flying under. Yeah. I love, and as, like, one department brings in more money, they have a little more power. Of yeah, like, yeah, oh, everyone's yeah. signing up for the GOLA program. Like, we have a little more sway in the hey, world. I love interesting. it. Very cool. So, Do they compete with one another? Uh, within their departments? Yeah. 
Uh, probably. To me, I really get the impression of like that seems like uh, similar to how communist Russia was run. Uh, we're like, specifically if we zero in on the space program, uh, like we still use Russian engines to this day, Mm -hmm. uh, on, uh, the rockets that the America launches. We bought, uh, I think we bought like 40 of the Russian rocket engines and we still just have them kicking around. Oh, they were all built in like 48 and shit. It's fucking gnarly, but it was such a great engine. Mm -hmm. We've never topped it. And one of the ways they got there versus NASA on the American side was like one cohesive organization all worked together, right? Mm -hmm. The uh, communist components all worked against each other. So they had teams and these teams also sabotaged one another, which was the turn. But it's just interesting that you can look at both and be like, well, this one did produce like the best engine because these guys like fucking cut out the other ones and like had incentive to be like, I need mine to be the best to get there. And it's just, it's very interesting that you can use both means, get you to the same place in different manners. Kind of cool. And so I see these ones totally as working entirely against like sharing what they need to, Mm -hmm. but like they each probably each commissary or each commissar, if you will, probably wants to be the top dog, right? Oh yeah, for sure. There's got to be a personal component to it, and I hope that's in there. Uh, a little vying for power. Is, I wonder, is there like one person in charge of the Benny Tleilax, or so is there? When Frank changes it, he will uh, ultimately. He makes like a, there's a council, and there's one person who sort of like within the Supreme Court, he's uh, first among equals. Sure, sure, sure. I think that is kind of where they end up. Because it made sense to me that there'd be like some sort of council representative from each of those uh, different factions mm-hmm. within. I don't. Yeah, and then they're they're able to structure themselves and yeah, keep an eye on all Tlaxu products. So the axolotl tank itself is thus significant more in terms of a symbol than a technology. Okay, so like we said, you know, it's just a womb. That's all it is. It's everything else they do that's really the power. Right, right, right. And maybe they even have an incentive to let you think it's the axolotl tank. Ah. Because, hell yeah, go ahead, steal that. What are you going to do with that? Right, right, right. Can't do jack. It's like if somebody's taking a highlighter. Oh, I was going to say, it's like taking a sandworm. Oh. If you took a sandworm, what are you going to (laughs) do? You don't got sand trout. You don't got the whole thing. You're like, okay, you got a worm. Cool. It's dead. Onward. And the story continues. Now, I got one last section here. Humans had been nurtured in solution long ago. The tank was not a Tlaxlu invention. But no one has ever refined genetic engineering to the extent of the Tlaxlu. For better or worse, the DNA touchstone template appears to have been lost during the scattering. Oh. Oh, the scattering is when... Is that post or pre-God Emperor? That's exact at the end of God Emperor. Okay. That is where Frank left the series when they wrote the encyclopedia, allowing me to type the following three words. No. Or was it? Oh. Dun, dun. Because ultimately... When I thought you were going to say, but that's redacted. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, even better, Mike. Because when Frank comes back to it, DNA touched on template never existed. Oh. Because at that point, he understands DNA. Yeah. We've, seen, we've done all this <laughs> shit. And he's like, oh, that doesn't age well. And he just gets <laughs> like, rid well, of it. Let's get rid of this. Yeah. That's got to be why we threw it all out. Literally, science leapfrogged ahead to the point where Frank can be like, oh, oh, the Benedict. I was on the right track. And maybe it's even a pat on the back for him to be like, I'm going to make these guys center stage at the end of the story because i fucking nailed it that's what's hot now (laughs) i would even say i deliberately did this of course you would jesus but you know what frank that's all i got well done Derek. well done thank you i like it i'll take credit for it (laughs) oh man but 
You know what that means. Oh, it's time for Jessica's it's Jumble. It's time for you. Jessica's <laughs> Jumble. <laughs> Does she have a different game? I had a week to think about this, buddy. <laughs> Apparently. It's your favorite game, Derek. Yeah. It's Edric's Etymology on Onomatology. Uh, only because I learned the word onomatology, I am down for this. <laughs> That's the only reason. Yeah. Each week, I pick a name from the Duniverse to dive into its meaning and origins. Derek, I'm going to give you the meaning of the name and see if you can guess who it is. Ooh, let's do it. Bring right. it. I know how this game works now. Uh, Fuck you the people in this you're, chapter, oh, Mike. Shit. You're yeah. damn. Unless you're like an intense feeling of dislike. The name means pearl. The name means pearl. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's That's harsh. Did it, is there any other clues that I do get in this game? Uh, yeah, the origin of the word is uh, French and Persian. Ooh, okay, okay. I think I can work with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, French, not my strong suit. Persian, let's let's dive into that one. <laughs> <That's your strong laughs> suit. If I were to weigh the two, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. uh, strong suit, Mike. Um, damn it, the word for pearl and what would they even be in French or per- those seem like complete opposites to me. I don't even know like many things they share together, which are probably a lot, mm-hmm. but just out of my wheelhouse. Sure, sure, sure. Um, pearl. I, okay, I want to. Obviously, it's not hate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw that out. Sure. Not that, Derek. I'm going to lose, lose these people in the chapter. What are some interesting characters like you've latched on to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're yeah. talking about like everything in... Uh... Everything we've met. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. Certainly. I don't think there's been one that lined up to a chapter yet. Or a side tale. Yeah, true, true. Touche, mm-hmm. touche. Um, but a glowing pearl. I don't even think I know a pearl in any other language. I'm going to lean towards a P name then. Have we, have we gotten anyone like that? Tighter. Ooh, Pardot. You wouldn't give me that, would you? <laughs> I would wouldn't you? just say would it. <laughs> Maybe I would. I know. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do Pardot. No, you're going to jump in? Yeah. Like, I'm calling your bluff, Mike. You yeah. can't trick me. It's a double bluff. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, I'm really at a loss. So I, I don't know anything. I could be Pearl. Let's go with Pardot. Sure. So, uh, Margo. Really? Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. So Margo itself is actually a shortened pet name of the name uh, Margaret. Okay. Uh, is is that which one means pearl? I guess I want to get to in uh, in like Persian. Margaret. Ooh. Okay. So, uh, it's a female first name derived via French, which is actually uh, in English it's Margaret. In French it's Marguerite. Okay. Uh, Latin it's Margarita. And nice. in ancient Greek, which is where it sort of derives from, is uh, Margarites or Mar- uh, Margarita. <laughs> and the ancient Greek is uh, Marguerite. Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, that's actually taken from the old Persian word for pearl, which was Marguerite. Okay. They, they both share the same word? Yeah. And I guess they got that because, like, in Persian, it's a cognate within the Sanskrit itself. And within Sanskrit, uh, Manjari, it means pearl or cluster of blossoms. Which is just kind of cool. Ooh, cool. I wanted you to get to like what the conjugate was. Yeah, right yeah. Now. Cluster. Wow, that is beautiful. So like, yeah. Why I, are, I think poets need to be in charge of language. Yeah. I'm like, it took me a while to get back to like, where does this actually come from? Because I saw like, oh, it comes from like ancient Greece. I'm like, oh, it comes from Persia. I'm like, it comes from Sanskrit. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, <laughs> who wrote these? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> so it took me a little God? bit to get there. Yeah, right. And actually, um, I think it might even go back a little further. I was trying to figure out like. Where does cluster blossoms come from? Okay. That I 
Couldn't tell you. Is that like a, a phrase that was like uh, joined together already? I guess. I don't know. But I was trying to figure out like how, where could you like put those together? Where does that, what is, how do you get that? Mm-hmm. I found one thing, one is, clue. Is it going to be like a Greek play? Well, let's go to Aristotle for a moment here. Oh, sure. He, Aristotle wrote a bunch. He did. He had uh, one uh, particular minor work called Aristotle on Plants. And in there, there's a particular passage that stood out to me, and it was, Some plants, again, produce their fruit above their own leaves, and others below them. In some plants, the fruit is suspended from the stem of the tree, and in others from the root, like the Egyptian plants called marguerite. Oh. I was just like, what, what, what the fuck, Aristotle? What are you talking about here? Like, go more, go more. He doesn't go into it anymore. Mm. So I had to be like, all right, Egyptian plants. <laughs> what do we got? So I started going into that more. And I found one that I think might fit the bill. Um, the others, like, from the root. Like, okay, what does that even mean? Uh, the Egyptian walking onion also called a tree onion. A walking onion. And then I had to be like, is an onion a fruit or a vegetable? <gasps> Hold up. Uh, there are a number of like, uh, like I played, uh, you've heard of Breath of Fire? No. It's like an RPG uh, from back in the day. I played Breath of Fire 3. Love it. Great game. Uh, nonetheless, so it's a Japanese RPG. And I feel like this is in other Japanese things too. Like there was a small onion thing that was like a companion to bears. It was literally like what you were describing. It's a walking onion. Oh, like a little onion with feet that come up. I'm like, is that something that is a derivative of like character art like that? Maybe I don't know. I I, I don't know enough about that game and that character you're. Oh talking man, about, I so. don't know if you've ever encountered. I feel like I've seen that in like like Final Fantasy always has like the Onion Knight. Yeah, I don't know. Just this weird obsession with onions uh, is a bit in that thing. Yeah, well, I can tell you why they call it a walking onion, but yeah. like, I guess uh, first that got to me like. Is an onion a fruit or vegetable? And I had to think about that. Like, wait, is it? What did you get to? I think ultimately it is a vegetable just because right. I think fruit, their seeds are actually within the, the fruit part itself. Uh-huh. Um, but that's not the case with onions. They're like bulbs. So I think uh, I think bulb is actually its own specific sect within vegetables themselves. <laughs> it's it's weird. Honestly, it it's, was. It's an Atreides. It's vegetables. not a question I thought I was going to have to answer when I was looking up what Margot meant. For sure. Oh, and so with the is the bulb what it means by like of the of the root? I, I think so because like that's the, the that would be like the fruit, so to speak. Like that's the part that like grows. Yeah, and that's the part. Yeah, that you would eat, but the seeds themselves actually come from the flowers that onions produce sometimes because okay. not all onions flower. But yeah, so I thought that that was interesting. I'm like, oh, it's not technically fruit, so maybe not. But then I also thought, like, well, this is also like four thousand years ago, so maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck it. fuck it. What do I really know? What did Aristotle know? Aristotle was making this up. Well, well, actually, uh, one of my favorite anecdotes for Aristotle is like Aristotle, one great philosopher, shitty biologist. <laughs> uh, no, you can go through, and uh, it's specifically he thought eels were birthed from the mud. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you observe them, they emerge from the mud. Sure. And he's like, oh, well, they must be born down there. There you go. Eels come from mud, people. <laughs> Mr. Saul, boom. Print High it. five, Plato. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send it to uh, publish or put it to print. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the case. So, and that's why I thought it was interesting because it says uh, he's talking about plants. Some fruit uh, is suspended from the root. I'm like, okay, well, I could see that. But, like, how would you, like, know that? Because, like, it's grown in the ground, not with the walking onion. 
the walking onion grows really, really big. It has a couple different phases. Like it has the candlestick phase when it's growing, and then eventually it reaches the uh, toplet phase. Uh-huh. And it gets to a point where it starts growing up clusters of bulbs and just grows more onions on top until eventually it gets heavy enough where it starts leaning down and those will fall on the ground. They'll plant themselves in the ground and then they'll grow more onions. And that's why they're called walking onions because uh, they will slowly yeah. oh. keep moving through your garden. Oh, that's... So it's a, basically a moving crop. Yeah, that's super gnarly. It's pretty cool. I I mean, obviously we can't uh, break this down, but I wonder, like, if that is a matter of, like, one entity or if it is a birth and death cycle. Um, I mean, I think that that is its whole life cycle, yeah. But what's interesting is if you, uh, with the toplets here, I'm just going to show you a couple pictures. That's what it looks like on top of the onion. It actually is just growing more bulbs. And yep. sometimes you get a huge cluster of them. That's super nice. Yeah, that looks like a like a bunch of garlic bulbs. It looks exactly. like on top. But yeah, it's yeah. like eight or nine onions and kind the, of come Yeah, come they'll even together. flower, and it's crazy. And, like, this was a staple of Egyptian crops. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think he's referring to, uh, Aristotle, in his works. The Egyptian walking onion. If anyone has any more information on that, please let me know. But, like... I think uh, that's where the definition from the Sanskrit comes with cluster of blossoms. I'm just going to say, I'm going to be shocked if that's the one we get more information on. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, who that knows this? Blow my mind. <laughs> but uh, that, that's all I got for Margot on Edric's etymology on automatology. Oh, oh man, Margaret, didn't see you coming. <laughs> no Out one of left field, no you, one. you onion lady, you. <laughs> that's fantastic. I really enjoyed that, Mike. Thank you. That was a great little dive. Yeah. Well, why don't we, uh, you want to open up that window and let in our favorite little friend there? Do you want to open up the door? Yeah. yeah. Come on in, Bruno. <laughs> you just walk. <laughs> it's oh. like having a Nosferatu in your home. Yeah, really. If he starts following me around, please don't know I can always outrun him. Why don't you, uh, clearly your ED tube is the only one that works here. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So let's see here. Mm-hmm. All right. So I got uh, one distress today from Twitter. Ooh. And it's Ladoge King coming in. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Great like name. it. Very relevant to the time. <laughs> exactly. I just wanted to say that they discovered the podcast a few days ago, uh, just as they were nearing the end of book one of Dune. Ooh, so oh. like the first 22 chapters. Nice. Um, the insights that they, uh, we bring, they're making the reading experience so much more exciting than it already has been uh, right now. It's their first time as a reader. So they're sort of where I am. Just like, we're learning this at the same time. Ladoge King and me, we know. You're both like yeah. screaming at the same thing. We're loving so it. Pied is a favorite character. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, fuck you, well, Derek. I'm insinuating that. I'm insinuating that. But um, I'm, or I'm taking a bit of a hiatus from continuing the book so I can catch up on the podcast while I work on other things. That's how much I appreciate your chemistry as hosts and the wealth of information Aww. you bring, which is pretty great. That's I love really that. nice. That's, oh, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> Might take a while to catch up, but they've got us playing on like 1.3 speed right now. So. Oh, then do it. Then do it. I, We've got to sound really manic sometimes. I will even say, if you put it down to half speed, we sound shit-faced uh, <laughs> from the get-go. <laughs> And we've done that a few that even makes us chuckle. Uh, just uh, if you slow it down and us explaining some stuff, it's absurd. <laughs> We're just like high off our rocker. Yeah. Uh, but don't do a whole episode like that. You'll never finish. <laughs> it's like uh, Spice World Samuta edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True talk. <laughs> but that that's dude, that is so that makes me feel so good. Yeah, I right. love it when these people chime in, that you guys are listening, that there's someone like getting caught up, but we're so far down this way, yeah. like Oh, when, so you'll have well, your shout out sometime down yeah, the road. Yeah, a little surprise when you get to Messiah. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, but yeah, is that all we got for the week? I, I think I got nothing going for you. Well, does anyone have a question for us? Do you guys perhaps know a wine we could afford? We're at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can always send another diss trans via SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And of course, there's our website at SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for a different way to support the show, come over and join our little sketch at Patreon.com slash SpiceWorldPod. Where you can find the exclusive Between Two Dunes episodes like Ampaliras, Ladies of House Carino, Trip to Gamat. Or Mike, perhaps a little folklore story of how Moadib got his name. I'm kind of excited to get to that one. It's going to be a great one. Uh, but Derek, yeah. what I really want to know. Of course. Next is... week. Oh, oh, oh that's my what you want to teaser. Know. Yeah. All right. All right. I got one for you. Sure. This is going to be a good one because it starts off strong. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. When calmness had returned, she thought, let them spend me. I'll show them what a princess is worth. Perhaps I'll buy them more than they expected. Ooh, Irulan. Ooh, Irulan coming in hot. Yeah, uh, I love it. She's not taking no shit. <laughs> Who do you think she's talking to? Who's spending her? Probably, hmm, probably the conspirators. I'm like, both sides yeah. could spend Irulan yeah. in a way. God, she's just really in a weird position. She's in a totally bad position. <laughs> <laughs> she really, she thought she was hitting a home run. When but she, she holds when, so much of the power like, right no, now. When, though, when she put her hand on Shaddam and yeah. she was like, no, just sign it, Dad. Don't worry. She oh, thought she was doing God. it. That was the nexus. That was the nexus. That was, that was a bad, bad Irulan move. Bad choice, bad choice. Yeah, I don't know what's happened to Mike, but I guess we'll have to wait till next week. Until then, the spice must flow. Very short one. Yeah, I know. Short and sweet. All right. Frank is like, he phones it in for a few of them. Just like, oh, I need an epigraph? Uh, write this out real quick. Bev, I don't have it in me today. <laughs> Brian, what did you write down? <laughs> or just like, you promised we'd go to the farmer's market, <laughs> yeah. Frank. Okay, okay, let me just... <laughs> <laughs> Once more, the job begins. <laughs> <laughs> uh.